Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you to the frozen tundra. More on that a little bit later. That is Hamilton Ohio. Good morning, gentlemen. Had to bundle up today, boys, for the first time this winter. Yeah, Tom, I actually came downstairs after waking up in the morning, and uh, I saw that my thermostat was turned off. By the time that I put a couple batteries in there, put some new batteries <laughs> in my thermostat, my house was reading 57 degrees. Oh, man. That's chilly. Yeah, it was cold. It was cold. Very Zebra, cold. You came prepared today. You, you came ready. You look like kind of a mountain man. Today. Yeah. Is that, um, well, I don't know how to take that. I'm a mountain. What does a mountain man entail? Well, it's you're a real from the west man. side. A lot of hills. Though. A lot of hills. Yeah. A lot of hills. Yeah, it was yeah. a little chilly. I live in, I live in the attic, kind of like uh, Harry Potter. Kind of, he lived under the stairs, but it's the same type of thing. Not a lot of, not a lot of uh, temperature control up there. The so heat it's, rises, though. It, it, well, not in my attic. It, it, heat, the heat kind of goes down, and it leaves me. But I, I have a lot of blankets up there. And, and it, it stays warm enough. My head gets really cold in the morning, which probably is an issue. But the rest of the body's warm. So how okay. about that? All right. Thankful for that. Very thankful. And uh, Trace, Casey, you guys okay? Doing great. Trace has got that big league hoodie today. That's a big league hoodie. That's nice. I like it. That nice. is. I like that. Quilt look on the inside of the hood there. Yeah, I, I, I would be lying if I said that I bought it, but... I'm wearing it, so look at that, that vest. Good outfit. That's a great looking vest. That's a great, great looking vest. It that's, is. that's something you'd, you'd see inside a Centos Center. Here we go. That's yeah. a good looking vest. Centos yeah. Center. I, I, I was I was looking White inside a Centos Center. White vest you need in Centos Center. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How about that? Like walking through Kenwood good. Mall. That's like that's a good that's a good Kenwood Mall outfit. It there. is. I like that. What's the goal of your outfit in Kenwood Mall? If that's a good Kenwood, what does that mean? Well, it's just you're just you're just trying to look good. You're trying to look stylish, and and you wear that vest. You go into like Sephora, and then and then that's about it. That's right. It. Me and Elliot dress for for the Northgate Mall. You guys go to Kenwood Mall. Yeah. So you 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 highfalutins over there on the east side. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right, Casey. That's right. That's right. That's right. He's an east sider, Mason guy. Right, Mason guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mason that's kind of that's really north sider. Uh, we welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, cast of thousands, thousands and thousands joining us already in the chat. You can find us, we're here Monday through Friday, 10 to 12 p.m. That's Eastern Time. You can join us on YouTube. Just go to the Chatterbox Sports page. We broadcast live every day on Twitter at Seabox Sports. Yep, that's right. We'll get it one of these days. Or you can download us in podcast form. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, we learned yesterday that Joe Burrow finally had surgery on that injured right wrist. The team released a statement saying that the surgery went well, very successful, and that Joe would be back in Cincinnati today to be with his teammates to begin his recovery and his rehab. The statement did not include a timetable as to when Burrow would return. And there's been a lot of debate about that. We were just talking right before we went on the air. I think it was Reed who asked the question, yeah. what's, a, what's a timetable? And nobody's really saying. I've heard some interviews done with doctors on radio who said they're not familiar with all the details about the injury. But some are saying this could drag in the next year. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be more of the same, Tom? Wouldn't that just be more of the same? I hope that that's not true. 
I hope it's not true. We do know, obviously, he's not coming back, even if they were to some miraculous way reach the playoffs. Jake Browning and company will get back to work tomorrow, day off today, for Monday night's game in Jacksonville. Speaking of injuries, it's uncertain at this point if the team will have T. Higgins, injured rib, Cam Taylor-Britt, injured quad, both missed last week against the Steelers. And then Logan Wilson rolled an ankle late in that game on Sunday. Don't know about him either. We'll know more tomorrow. Kickoff set for 8-15 Monday night on ABC slash ESPN. Speaking of Monday night football, how about Justin Field and the Chicago Bears? How about him? Fields is starting to actually look like a real quarterback. Last four games, nine touchdowns, two picks. He's running the ball. He's accurate. Now, he didn't get him in the end zone last night. But the bottom line is their defense was fantastic. They intercepted Minnesota quarterback Joshua Dobbs four times, 12-10 on a field goal at the buzzer. Chicago wins. After the game, Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell would not commit to sticking with Dobbs after the Vikings bye week this coming Sunday. The Ravens are off this week as well. Pittsburgh will host Arizona. Cleveland, second straight week, headed out west. This time to face the L.A. Rams at SoFi. Tonight, the college football playoff rankings will be unveiled. We know the four unbeatens will certainly occupy the top four spots. But then what? Is Oregon ranked ahead of Ohio State? The Ducks' best win this season came against Oregon State. Buckeyes have won a pair of pretty good road games this year. Top 15 teams. Notre Dame and Penn State. Does Alabama leapfrog Texas despite an early season loss to the Longhorns? Probably not. Probably not. Stay tuned. In soccer, Casey, I know you were dancing in the streets of Mason yesterday. Of course. And why wouldn't you be? FC Cincinnati will face Columbus in the Eastern Conference Finals. First time this franchise has ever been this far in the playoffs. That'll be Saturday night, 6 o'clock at TQL Stadium. But a big congratulations to Luciano Acosta. He was named the league's MVP yesterday. Well-deserved. He got 60% of the vote. Next closest guy got 14%. Well-deserved. Well-deserved is right. In college basketball, we jokingly asked the question yesterday, where Oakland was or is? Is it Oakland, California? Is it Oakland, Michigan? Well, guess what? Your Xavier Musketeers know where the Golden Grizzlies come from. That stayed up north. Oakland out of the Horizon League stunned the Muskies last night at Centos Center, 78-76. Now, look, we were joking around, but this Oakland team, man, they'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. They've played X. They lost a close one to Ohio State, who's off to a really good start. They lost a close one to Illinois, who's ranked 24th in the country. And they punched Xavier in the mouth last night. Sean Miller said his team was simply overwhelmed in the final four minutes of the game and came unraveled. Those were his words, not mine. Tough sledding lies ahead for Xavier. They play in what is called the Big East Big 12 Challenge against unbeaten and sixth-ranked Houston on Friday night at home. How's that one looking? Uh, that's an easy win for the Muskies. That's exactly. Listen, Tom, <laughs> the best thing that can happen to a team is after they lose, a ter- have a terrible loss, 
against a Horizon League opponent. You welcome in one of the best teams in the country, and they just offset one another. So, you know, Houston Cougars going to go down on Friday. Take the money line. Justin, from the chat who's here regularly, said he bet Oakland on the money line last night. How about that? That was a a good bet. That was a good listen. That's what he says. I mean, look. But he does say this Townsend kid from Oakland. And Sean Miller said after the game last night, if you didn't see this guy, I mean, if he doesn't have a body made ready for the NBA yesterday, and the way he can play, I think he had 28, this dude is a player. Well, yeah, and he plays in the big-time Horizon League. You know, when it comes down to the best why conferences— do you, well, why, why, why? why do you have to beat down the Horizon I'm not, League? Tom. Listen, it's the second-best conference in college basketball. <laughs> when people—you know, you, you're going to see the SEC-ACC Challenge, the Big East-Big 12 Challenge this weekend, right? Last night was the Horizon League Big East Challenge to see which conference <laughs> was the biggest dog of them all. And the Horizon League got a win in that one. So congratulations to the Gold the, Grizzlies it, from Oakland. It's the best Horizon League win in the past two seasons for sure. It, it's, yeah, for sure, 100%. For sure. 100%. I can't, I can't think of another one. Well, NKU beat UC. Oh, wait, wait, oh. what? When did that happen? When was that? Oh, no. Well, I didn't see it. It wasn't on television. Okay. It wasn't on TV, <laughs> so it didn't happen. Speaking of UC, they will not play in that Big East Big 12 challenge. I don't know why. I was looking at the schedule last night. I have no idea why they're not in it. Maybe it's just the number of teams and so on. And since they're new or whatever, because mm-hmm. Houston uh, – Houston's new, and they're playing in it, but maybe that's because they're the sixth-ranked team in the country. Maybe because we're already playing Xavier. Maybe you're right. But the undefeated Bearcats will play tonight on the road at Howard. Tip-off at 7 o'clock. Big time. Number 12, Kentucky. Cal, we've got the call in. But there's one problem. No call back. (laughs) They have a big one tonight at Rupp Arena against number 8, Miami of Florida. That's a good game. Cats are favored by, like, 8. At home there against a, a higher-ranked opponent. Cal. Coach Cal. That's your guy, Tom. Tell you what, they'll play anybody anywhere, anytime. You got to give it up to them for that. Well, That's they right. Should. They're, they're one of the most premier programs in the country. Still, a lot of guys are ducking. A lot of guys are ducking people. Not, not Sean Miller. He plays teams like Oakland. In pro hoops, <laughs> despite getting hammered by Philadelphia last night, quite an accomplishment for Lakers star LeBron James. He set the NBA's all-time record for most minutes played in a career. That's regular season and postseason. 66,319 minutes to pass the Hall of Famer, legendary, another Laker, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Coming up on the show today, we will walk through some of the scenarios of this college football playoff. It really is interesting when you start fooling around and this and that. Of course, everybody has their own team and who they want to get in or not get in or this and that and comparing one-loss teams and on and on and on and on. We'll get into all that. Charlie Goldsmith will join us at 11. Talk about the Bengals, little bit of Reds. And then Brian Billick, former Super Bowl winning head coach with the Baltimore Ravens, will join us to talk all that is the National Football League at 1130. All right, without further ado. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a HIPAA thing. I don't know what it is because the Bengals were the ones that released the statement and not any press conference or anything like that from Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, more times than not, and, and really where you hear about this most frequently is when a pitcher will get Tommy John surgery, let's say, for example. And basically the two best guys on the planet, not the only two, but the two best, it's like an arms race, 
to do that surgery are Tim Kremchek, right here at Beacon, mm -hmm. and then Dr. Frank, uh, or James Andrews, who was a protege of Frank Job, who did the first Tommy John surgery. But those are the two guys, Andrews and Kremchek. Now, I don't know anything about wrist doctors, hand doctors, whatever. But for whatever reason, um, no word on who did the surgery or where they did it. I mean, does anybody care at the end of the day? If it's successful, I don't care where it's done. But uh, listen, Tom, I, I, I know that there's conflicting reports on where, what his timeline is, but I have a hard time. You, you told me that it's going to linger into next year. I, have a hard... I said I heard okay. doctors. Okay. I'm not a doctor, Sorry, nor do I, I play to... one on TV, and I didn't sleep in a Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> but I have a hard time believing that this kind of a, a, a wrist injury is going to linger for another eight months. I've, I have a very, very hard time believing that. And though we have seen Joe Burrow banged up a lot in his NFL career, every time he has been banged up, he has come back ahead of schedule. So that's that's a good thing. And he's got plenty of time to recover, so I'm not worried about it lingering into next season. Well, our buddy Colton here is saying there's no chance it'll last more than six months. That's good. He doesn't know. I don't know unless Colton's a doctor. Well, he's not, but he played one on TV and he stayed at a Holiday Inn last <laughs> night. I, listen, the last thing this city needs is Joe Burrow to miss another preseason. Oh, boy. We start 0-4 and this whole cycle starts over again. Uh, I I don't care where the surgery was done. I imagine they're not doing – the only thing I can think of as to why they're not announcing where it was done is in case it went goes incredibly wrong and then the city revolts at this doctor's office. They <laughs> protest and they riot outside this poor man's office. So or, or woman, whoever's whoever's the doctor. So yeah, I, I it's done. We're done. The season's over. We're on to next year. We're on to next year. Yeah, but we have to talk about something for the next seven weeks. Sure. Yeah, we do. Uh, and you like, want to talk about Xavier basketball? No. Well, they're not relevant anymore. Unfortunately, they just lost to Oakland. But I listen. Listen. I, I think that's the big, Bengals. That's a big time loss. If if the that's a big that's a I think they were a hundred and ranked hundred and thirty third in Kempom, is what they were ranked. There it's, aren't one hundred and thirty three teams better than than Oakland. After you watch that team last right, night, there's, no there's maybe way. Two. <laughs> Unfortunately, one of them wasn't Xavier. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, the rest of the season, I'm looking for. I'm looking strictly at Zach Taylor. I'm looking at Zach Taylor to see what he does. If T. Higgins would like to rejoin the team at some point, that would be great too. I'd like to see what we have in T. Higgins. I would say T. Higgins has had a pretty bad season, other than what one game, two games. I know he's been hurt, but it's I, you're looking at a couple different things. I'm looking at the coaching staff. I'm looking at Charlie Jones. I'm looking at Yoshi. I'm looking at some of the guys, Miles Murphy. I'm looking at what we have from the young guys, and we'll, and we'll go on. We'll hopefully don't lose out because if we lose out with this roster, it's just we have we have a whole we have a whole another issue besides Joe Burrow. The Bengals have the third youngest team in the National Football League. Tom, this is an opportunity to get some of those guys more reps. And we, we talked about like a guy like Miles Murphy. He should be getting more time. Let's hope that this coaching staff has at least enough sense to, to see what they have. But it's neither here nor there. Well, the same could be said at uh, running back. I mean, we haven't seen anybody uh, else yeah. except Joe Mixon. Would, now, Chase Brown Chase missed Brown. a couple of games hurt. But he was back healthy this past weekend when they ran it all of eight times besides a quarterback. Speaking of, we have a super chat here. Put this up, please, from our buddy Chad. Pulling it up. Okay. This was a number that I wanted to get into yesterday. I don't think that number is right. I think it's 4-21, not 4-28. Or does that have 20 on it? What does that say? It's 4-28-1. Four four okay, I think it's 4-21-1, I think. But nonetheless... Okay, now, 
A lot of that you got to take out. Taylor's first year was before Burrow got here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then Burrow's first year, he plays a little more than half the season, injures his knee, he's out. He plays all of them the last two until the start of this year. Then he goes down two weeks ago against Baltimore. Is it fair to read anything into that stat? Now, look, I've been critical of Zach Taylor. Uh, His play calling, I think, is a CEO, culture guy, all those things. Done a hell of a job. Hell of a job. Back-to-back AFC championship games. Play caller, I just don't think he's a guy. He ought to hand that off to somebody else. But is it fair? Casey, Trace, you guys join in. Is it fair to judge Zach Taylor and put up his record with anybody else at quarterback besides Joe Burrow when you take into account the team he took over for Marvin Lewis and all those stiffs they played at quarterback that first year and then Burrow's replacement three years ago and his replacement moving forward, whoever that is, the remainder of this year? Um, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily fair um, I mean, you're going out there without a full roster, like you, what you envisioned as your as your starting roster. But I do think it speaks volumes to look at the the offensive production. I think that's what you got to look at when you look at all those games that they lost. How did they do on offense? Well, they a lot of those games did not do great. Now, the first season he took over, the Bengals defense was one of the worst in the league. So I kind of just – that year was abysmal from start to finish. I kind of get that out of my mind. I look at what happened with the injury the first year with Burrow. Um, we won that Texas game where we were scoring a lot of points. Like, they were able to put a game plan together. Um, but there wasn't much after that. Like, they only won a couple games, I think. And they weren't really great on offense. Texans weren't that great at that time. Um, yeah, it's not good. It's not great. I don't think uh, it doesn't give you much confidence in, in Zach Taylor when you look at that record, for sure. All right, well, what about Bill Belichick? How's his record looking without Tom Brady? It's looking really bad. Aaron Rodgers said uh, last week that more players in the NFL uh, make coaches look good than coaches make players. Correct. Um, so Correct. I think that's pretty telling in regards to what many of the people in the league think. However, I think it's reasonable to expect something from your head coach because you're paying him for a reason. I think the question's simple. The 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 the, the social the social reasons are the reason as which. Zach Taylor will not get fired no matter really what he happens won't get this fired, year. Correct. He won't get fired. Mm. But if you are just looking at it from the standpoint of what does this person bring to the table, um, if Zach Taylor is not able to find a way to game plan an offensive system at all through a number of weeks, this isn't like a one-off situation where you only got six days to prepare. He had 10 days to prepare for the Steelers. That's what he came up with. And now he's going to have a full season, or at least a half a season almost, to, to, to try to compete with a whole new guy. And, I, again, if, it, if to Elliot's point, he can't win a game or only wins one game, then I think you have some serious questions going into the next year. And then the seat's relatively hot because, you know, Joe Burrow just got signed long-term. And I said it yesterday. I'll say it one more last time. The only person that's making this decision is Joe Burrow, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Joe Burrow wants if Joe Burrow wants Zach Taylor to stay, Zach Taylor staying. If right. Joe Burrow right. walks into the Mike Brown's office tomorrow and says, "Listen, this guy's a, a stiff like you say, Tom, and he needs to go," then he guess what? He'd probably go. Yeah, and also to just go off that point is 222 yards of offense is just that's not acceptable for for any any team in the league, even with a backup quarterback. Um, they got to figure something out. If I if you're looking to judge Zach Taylor and his ability to to have a successful offensive game plan with the roster that we have around him with all the injuries because we're not even including the T Higgins injury which is a big a big part of their offensive mm-hmm. scheme you know I would be looking at like 350 yards of offense getting somewhat of a run game going having a lot more time of possession I mean they were almost doubled in time of possession. I'm not expecting some like average offense out there. I'm not even expecting a below average offense, but 200 yards is is unthinkable almost in the in today's NFL. All right, let me ask you this. We always saw Jake Browning for one game. I think we all agreed and looked great. He didn't look terrible. I mean, he wasn't 9 for 24 for 97 yeah, yards. I mean, he was all right. Lucky yeah, a couple tip balls. It added up to about like 30 yards of that, 35, 40 yards of that. Yeah. 200-plus um, yards. But, you know, one thing that we have not gotten into around here is, do you think about running A.J. McCarron out there? Yep. I yeah. mean, he has far more experience. Now, that's not Jake Browning's fault. Right. A.J. McCarron has far more experiences how much, you know, stock you're going to put in the XFL thing, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. But I do know he led the league in completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, and he was the MVP of the league. That I know. And I know he was good enough to start a playoff game for this franchise. And were it not for a Jeremy Hill fumble, now they made some other mistakes too, just wasn't Hill. But were it not for that fumble... uh, A.J. McCarron was good enough to win a playoff game for this franchise. Now, that's a number of years ago. That was nine years ago. That's right. So, I mean, we're, 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 you know. Kyle McCord threw for uh, 6,887 yards and 88 touchdowns in high school, too, Tom. So, I mean, it's all cute to say you did something at a different level a long time ago. You're right. Right. You actually got to play against other guys in the NFL. There's a reason A.J. McCarron's not around. I guess my question to a whole group. Let's start with you, Tom. What do you want? What do you want to have happen? What what, 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 What's it matter? Do you think that – would you rather, as a Bengal fan, genuinely, would you rather them – and I know this is going to be a hot topic, and I think it will be a hot topic in the chat. Would you rather them, for the future of this franchise, attempt to win? Yes. But lose out, get a great draft pick, and you just move on, and you know this season's a wash? Or do you want them to go out and find a solution and go and win four more games? It's a good question. I'm going to table my thought on that right now. I'm not dodging. I'll answer it, but i got to think a little bit about it. If anybody else has a yeah, great reaction. Yeah. Oh, oh, can I go? May I go? I would like them to win a game. I would, like, I would like Zach Taylor with this roster to be able to beat the Indianapolis Colts. That's what I would like to see. As much as, okay, then the Minnesota Vikings, also a playoff team maybe. The point is, the point is, we can't sit here and seriously say the Colts and Vikings are good teams. I'd like them to be able to beat them with the roster we have outside of Joe Burrow. I'd like Zach Zach Taylor to show me anything. Losing out is a disaster. 
If you lose out here, the, 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 I mean, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what happens. To be quite honest, because you, at, at, that, at that point, you have nothing. You have legitimately nothing. Yeah. Because the roster is a disaster. Your coach is nothing. And then, and then you restart next year with an injured quarterback who's going to miss the preseason, an offensive line who's not going to play in the preseason. And then we're just going to re redo this cycle over and over and over and over again. And we can have the same complaints midway through the season, year after year after year, and nothing changes. I, yeah, I would – losing out, what's the difference between a, fifth, a number 15 pick and a number 10 pick? What are, we, what, are we, what are we trying to hope to attain here? Yeah, the, the other thing, too, is like A.J. McCarron's, a, like we said, is a better scheme fit. He is a throwing but, pocket passer, whereas Jake Browning, not so much. But here's the thing about the whole A.J. McCarron versus Drake, Jake Browning thing is what do we accomplish by playing A.J. McCarron? At least like when we play Jake Browning, we can see what we have with this guy. AJ McCarron, you, you understand what you got. You got a veteran. You got a guy that had success in another league, in a, in a Mickey Mouse league. We have we have a guy who played for this team nine years ago that people like because he almost won a playoff game. Yep. We understand all that. It's a much different conversation if the Bengals were twelve and two, and we're like, hey, who do we want leading this team going for the rest of this year and into the postseason? Then we're having a much different conversation. At this very moment, there's not much to play for. So why are you why are you wanting to play the guy that you already know what you have, and it's not very good? Like AJ McCarron is fine. He's he's whatever. He, there's a reason that he's no longer a backup in this league. There's a reason that he it took him playing an MVP level in another league to even get on a practice squad. Jake Browning, at least you get a little bit of upside there. At least you can say, like, hey, this guy is a guy that we brought in that won the backup spot. And we're going to say, hey, we're going to ride with this guy because, he, he, you know, he's got a little athleticism there. He, we've never seen what he's able to do at the NFL level. So the whole A.J. McCarron, Jake Browning thing, it, it, it just doesn't there, – there's nothing to gain from playing A.J. McCarron. Truly, there's nothing to gain. There's a lot more to gain from Jake Browning because what if Jake Browning plays for four games and he looks pretty darn good? And then you have a lot more confidence in a younger, more athletic quarterback next time that Joe Burrow, unfortunately, will, will get hurt at some point in his career. So we want, Joe, we want Jake Browning to be our backup next year? That's what we're saying? Here? Well, no, I think what I'm he's saying, saying is, I don't want to steal the words from your mouth here, but I mean, you're saying that, you know, why not find out if the guy's capable Correct. of being a good backup quarterback? Because right. we don't know the answer to right. that question, quite honestly. We don't know. Uh, and I'm really not sure we know if A.J. McCarron's a good backup quarterback or not. I, I, I don't know if anybody really knows that. But, but there's no upside there. Browning is younger. Now, here's an interesting take from BRH in the chat. And, boy, this is really, really interesting. Look at the Indianapolis Colts. Their backup has started most of the games this year. Yep. Veteran guy. Now, there's no contest as far as being an NFL quarterback comparing Jake Browning to Garner Minshew. There's, there's just none. And you win none. Right. But the bottom line is a backup has started the majority of the games. They have a first-year head coach in Steichen who came over from Philadelphia. And that team has been competitive every single week. And if the playoffs ended today, if season ended today, Colts are in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, I mean, what's that say about Game planning and scheming, or is it Garner Minshew, based on what we said a second ago? Players can make coaches look good, as opposed to coaches making players look good. But the, yeah. that is a that, that that is a very real comparison or question. How are the Colts doing it? 
Tom, would you put more blame, in your opinion, on the fact that, unfortunately, yes, Joe Burrow is a big part of this team, but even if you kind of leave Joe Burrow in there to a small extent, do you have more disappointment in Zach Taylor or Duke Tobin when it comes to roster building or just play calling in general? I have more issues with uh, the play calling because I had him even with Joe Burrow. That's fair. I, I don't I, think this offense, and you can say, well, they were in the top five in this or whatever it was last year or the year before, but I think that everyone who has watched every game this team has played, including the very biggest games this team has played, they have underachieved offensively for the talent they have on the roster. And they got some bad breaks on the offensive line, and that's a big deal. But even in that game against Buffalo last year, the, the weather could not have been worse. Snowing sideways, whole nine yards. You got three starters that are out on the offensive line. And they made Buffalo look like Baden in the state playoffs. Oh. Ran them in the ground. Oh. <laughs> what a stray. Awesome. Yeah, they ran what the ball. What a stray. <laughs> That's the best line you've ever used on this show, Tom. What a stray. I don't mean to take that shot at Baden. They look like my high school, Anderson, did last week in the state semis. Yeah, back it up. All right, fair enough. But you get what I'm saying here. Uh, I digress. But... Look, I, I just don't think, you know, I, I, I look again this year and you can blame Burroughs' injury, and that's fine. And we've talked about it. It's still 20 points per game. Good, bad, or indifferent. It's 20 points a game. And the stars are aligned everywhere. And they can't figure it out. So I got to make, make a change, even before all this nonsense with Browning now in there. Because, look, he, he, you know, Zach's got to try to scheme up some different things, which we did not see, as you pointed out, Trace, in the Steelers game. Uh, but we'll get to all this a little bit later with Charlie Goldsmith um, when we talk a lot of pro football over the back half of the show. Any closing comment on any of this stuff? Anybody? Nope. Bueller? I, the, one, the one thing I will clarify about the thing that you're talking about is injury lingering. It was if it was closer into his hand. I think the injury happened more in his wrist. They made that clarification that it was a wrist injury. Yes. So if it happened to be his hand, there is like a year process to get that strength back in your hand, be able to grip the ball and whatnot. So all right, I'm on to 2025 then. Yeah, but I think we're I think we're in the clear. I think we're in the clear. All right, let's get to our picks from last week. Okay, and then we're gonna go the last 25 minutes or so before Charlie Goldsmith joins us into this college football playoff stuff. Everybody's invested, or most people are invested. I mean, you know, Reed really isn't, but everybody else is. I'm very invested. Well, you, you might be fiscally invested. Uh, no, my I, listen, Tom. If you cut me right now, like blue comes out. I've been I've been <laughs> on the Michigan Wolverine since I was a young lad, so I'm very invested. You're invested with the Cubby Blue and the Michigan Blue. Correct. Correct. Okay. Well, you'll be feeling blue when all is said and done. If you keep following those two operations. Musky blue, too. All right, here we go. Which one? <laughs> Musky blue. <laughs> like I said. Musky blue. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see here. Trace, you went with the Gators. They stink. They stink. I mean, they really do stink. I don't know how. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I've said it three or four times. I just don't know how that's conceivable. I really don't know how Florida being bad in football is conceivable. I mean, you've got... A beautiful campus. You got a rabid fan base. You got money everywhere. 
you got great-looking girls down there, right? So it's not like you can't recruit. I mean, how are they this bad? They looked terrible if you watch that game. Give it up to Florida State. Winners, Elliot, Casey, me. Next up. I would have taken Florida State. Sure you would have. Hey, it was a two-point game until two minutes and 40 seconds left in the game, so. Good backdoor cover by all of you. That's right. That's right. Now here, Trace. Win is a win is a win. Above the crowd, you went with the big blue. Yeah. And the ACC is horrible. Arguably the worst football conference since they started the Power Five conference. Can Louisville beat Florida State this week? I mean, Louisville lost to Kentucky, Tom, who I'm, lost by a combined like ninety points against the SEC. I'm DCC. asking you, can Louisville beat Florida State with a backup quarterback at Florida State who looked okay last week? I don't What's know. the spread in that one on Betfred early uh, on? The spread in the – you're talking the ACC, ACC championship game. What is that is spread? It is Louisville plus three versus Florida State. So three points. Okay, point. three points. Okay. All right. For what uh, it's worth, I would have taken UK in this one. <laughs> we know where this is going now. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what of? I don't know. I was born at night, not last night. All right. What do we got? What do we got? Oh, oh no. no, Tom. No. Look at that maze. Three years in a row? No. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Reed, who on, would you take? You move on. Well, I mean, it, if Ohio it, State it, wins a championship, it's a new day. It's a Ryan day. I would have taken Michigan. It's. Okay. <laughs> uh, listen, it's if Ohio State, if they're lucky enough to get into the, into the Final Four, the playoff, if I'm them, I lose purposefully in the first game. Because no win can top the, the Michigan rivalry, right? And they lost that one, so really the whole season doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, they, can, they can cancel it. They can call it off. <laughs> Ryan Day, born on third base. Mm. Up next. Yeah. All right. Hang on one second. And throw that up. You know, by the way, before we go any further, and I talk about the athletic a lot, Ari Wasserman, who I think is the best writer there is in college football, he wrote a fascinating story for, for, for no matter where you fall on the whole Ryan Day thing. He wrote an unbelievable story today about Ryan Day and the way he coaches against everybody else and the way he coaches against Michigan the last three years. It is a phenomenal story. And Ari Weisserman was a beat writer of Ohio State became, before he became the national uh, college football writer for The Athletic. All right. Oregon State, I thought the Beavers would show up. Did they cover this? They did not. They did no, not. They lost 31-7. 31-7? Yep. Yeah, it was pretty and, bad. And that is Washington. I mean, that's Oregon's best win this year. That's their best win yeah. this year. A 31-7 drubbing over a three or four loss. Oregon State team. Sad. How in the world are those guys ranked ahead of in the coaches poll? We'll find out tonight. And I'm not saying it as an Ohio State homer. I'm asking the same thing if I were Texas. I'm asking the same thing if I'm Alabama. Just come unplugged. <laughs> yeah, it did. Plug that thing right back in, Tom. All right. We're back. We're back. We're back. How can that happen? I'm being serious about this. Oregon has beaten nobody. At least Washington has beaten Oregon. Oregon has beaten nobody. All we talked about was a Pac-12 this year. Utah didn't have their starting quarterback. 
USC stinks, right? UCLA, eh, they are what they are. I mean, but come on. Washington State, they started the year 4-0. Everybody's going to tell us, oh, man, they're right, 15-9. I mean, come on. Seriously. What are they? I mean, if you watch the eye test, and I'm fine if the guy who, uh, Boo Corrigan, who's the head of the college football playoff committee, if he comes out tonight and Oregon is ranked ahead of Ohio State, because that's going to be the two. They're not going to be behind. The, the, the debate's not going to happen about Texas or Alabama. Not yet. That could happen next week, this Sunday, when the, when, when the final pairings are announced. But I would love if he just came out and said, hey, man, anybody that's watched Oregon play this year, they might have the Heisman Trophy winner. They're scoring 45 every night. They just passed the eye test. They look better than Ohio State on offense. Nobody's going to disagree with that. But Ohio State's defense is 10 times better than Oregon. But if he came out and said, okay, it's the eye test, okay? It is what it is. It's the eye test. Fine. Put him in there. But if you're going to use, in other cases, best wins, schedule, all this kind of thing, then nobody in their right mind can put Oregon ahead of Ohio State. But you can pretty much book it. They're going to be ahead of them tonight. All right, move real, on. Real quick, Tom. Yeah. Name that spread. We're going to, I'm going to see what you think the spread will be. Oregon versus Washington. Uh, I'm predicting that Oregon is probably a uh, eh, two and a half, three and a half. Nine and a half point favorite is Oregon. Nine and a half point favorite. And I was, Washington I was beat shocked. Them and is undefeated. Washington's undefeated. Oregon's favored by 10. It's wild. On Bedford Sports. On Bedford Sportsbook. Okay. Uh, Kansas v. Bearcats. Elliot. I didn't want to pick Did it. Did they cover? I, <laughs> no. They, got, they lost by about 65. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a fitting end to the Satterfeld era here in Cincinnati. I, listen, you, you're going to try out. We'll go get whoever the hell Toledo's coach is in the offseason, and we'll reboot this thing once again because this was a disaster. I picked UC here because everybody else picked Kansas, and I had to do my little shtick where I fade everybody. But I was all the way on Kansas. I bet on Kansas, and Kansas came through. Rivalry week. A, a storied rivalry well, between UC and Kansas to be, on rivalry week. To be fair to, to UC, I mean, Kansas is a football school. They focus on their football. That's right. UC is very much a basketball school. All their money, time, yeah. effort, energy is at Fifth Third Arena. <laughs> so how can you blame UC for losing this week? And Satterfield was also focused on his other team. Unfortunately, lost that one, too. In all seriousness, <laughs> UC is in a major problem. Like, I, I don't know how you – don't fire him. And I know I'm usually the guy that says, hey, you got to keep continuity. You can't just fire guys left and right. You can't be like the Panthers. But you can't regress this bad. It's one thing to lose. Like, everyone wants to say, well, look at the record, look at the record. I mean, they're getting their brakes beat off of them. How do you recruit to a yep. school that – how do you recruit to a school that's already kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to recruiting in a Power 5 conference? And then on top of that – you have guys leaving in the transfer portal currently from UC. How do you fix that when, re when the only thing that you could suggest is going to fix it is the culture and the ability to get guys to buy in who are less talented than the other team? And you look at the scores, and, they, and I mean, I'm not trying to call the kids out per se, but I guess I am. Like you, that, That's quitting, Tom. That's quitting. You can say whatever you want. You don't lose that bad in college football with a Power 5 school against the teams that they've played unless you just packed it in. 
They look bad. I mean, they're, they're getting crushed. Yeah, they are. They're if getting they, killed. They gave up what, five, almost 450 yards rushing in one game. I mean, that's a big, big job down there. If they were to fire Satterfield, they're not. I know, I know, but let's play hypothetical. If they were to fire Satterfield, which U.S. senator should they go after next? Should it be Mitch McConnell, Ted Reed's Cruz? This guy just Reed's a full on... bit today, or what? I mean, geez, Louise. Reed's on let's get to some. Let's eater. get to some serious topics. I think they're Ohio State topics. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one serious topic tonight. No, let's finish the picks and then yeah, we'll get let's back. Go there's one thing I wanted to throw out there yesterday that I didn't. Go ahead. All right, Bengals versus Steelers. That was easy. Did they cover? Pittsburgh covered. Yeah, Tom. 16 to 10. Did they cover? <laughs> At our live show, Tom, I said Bet Fred was giving a free bet away. Take the Bengals' first half money line. Hammered it. One. But don't take the Bengals' full, full game money line. I th- I, my only pick was Jake Browning. Over, over the touch- half touchdown pass, touchdown. he got it. That's right. That's he got right. it. My my two picks. One, I had the under, and then I had Jalen Warren over forty eight and a half rushing yards. We were just he finished with forty nine. Wow. I feel like everyone's acting like the Bengals like were. I mean, they, they were they were right in that game. I they were one. They yeah, they were, they were, what, the one they, one play. I mean, I'm and I'm not trying to crush Browning. It's the first game, but you you just can't throw an interception there. You you're you're driving to extend the lead, yep. and instead you turn the ball over and you, you never and you never look back. It's I, you could make an argument that that one single play in the entire game was the reason that they you're, won or lost. You're not wrong. I mean, it's a one-score game, but also, like, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers outgained the Bengals 2-1. to one. Like the I, Bengals, I get what the you're Bengals, saying, but right. at, the, at the end of it all, I, the, the score is the only thing that really mattered, and I get, I get it's, your point. It's, it's the NFL. Most games finish in, in, within one score. Like, most games do. But, Unless you're the Panthers. Well, I think, I mean, what, how many one-score games have the, have the Steelers been in this year? A bunch, all a bunch. of them, pretty much all of them, right? Yep. Like the, the, even win or lose, it's it's pretty much right there, one score. Are you related to Michael Lackley? I am not related to Mike. Ackley. I mean, that's your guy. He's a, you're, he's you're a, his guy. He was, he, was, he was all of your bits and everything, and he's just rolling over, chuckling like crazy. Go ahead. Good job, Trace and Elliot. Very good job. I gotta tell you guys, uh, I watched a lot of this game. I don't know if you guys did. Denver looks pretty damn they good. Look good, Tom. They look pretty good. Not bad. I mean, <laughs> they get after you on defense, and their offense was good enough to put up 29 against a second-ranked defense in the National Football League. 29. I'm just saying. Russell Wilson hasn't thrown an interception in five weeks this year. 2,200 uh, passing yards, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions. That's right. Vintage Russell Wilson. Right. Vintage Russell. He is back. He is back. And Sean Payton, right now, he's in line for the NFL Coach of the Year. Him and D'Amico Ryan. Those are the two guys right now. Who? Zach Taylor. Who? Go on. Go ahead. Does it ever end with this guy, Trace? You've known him yeah, longer than you should, at some point, Tom, At some point, you just really what you do is you just ignore him, like he talks to himself type thing. Okay, that's what I would do. Okay. He'll goofy to death. Then there are the no Philadelphia Eagles. This is a big league team. I heard a lot of people talking. They have not even played their best football yet this year. People who watch them regularly will tell you they have not put a full game together where they just had it all going now nobody plays a perfect game 
But we've seen the 49ers when they're damn near perfect. They were in Jacksonville two weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this Philadelphia team, man, they, didn't they co- are good. They did not cover that spread. That wasn't the final spread, but they did not cover that spread. Elliot. Elliot wins. So Elliot wins. But here's the thing. I saw this I saw this stat yesterday. I don't have the exact number, but since the NFL-AFL merger, there's been like 75 teams. I'll just throw out a random number. 75 teams have, have won 10 games in the first 11 weeks, like the Eagles have. The Eagles have the second worst point differential out of all yeah. those teams. Yeah. Uh, they're barely scaping by, yeah. but you know what? They're scraping by. They're, they're scraping winning games. By. They're winning games, and uh, they are impressive to watch. Uh, they get after you. Okay. Congratulations, Elliot. Got Thank two you. more. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The only reason that covered is because they didn't kick the point after after the last touchdown, right? That won That's the game right. in overtime. Correct. Yep. That's right. How about that? Gambling, baby. You didn't deserve to win that if you were on the Eagles. You though. know what? They should make them <laughs> kick that point. Well, they, they took it away. They, they changed that rule because it's worthless. Did, but they ought to do it. Especially now with, with all of the influence that gambling has on the sport. All of sports. Houston. Tough. Another Elliot. win for Elliot. <laughs> Easy, Tom. Did, were, were, was your real gambling as good as these picks? Yeah, it was. You had a big weekend. Yeah, it was. Really? I, I had a great I, – I told you guys I had a great weekend. I didn't follow that stupid system, and I, and I won money. I, I followed my heart. I followed my gut. Can we can we start talking about the Jags? Like I feel like everyone wants to. Dude, call they're them one from. game removed from getting beat thirty-four to three at home. They've won seven out of their last eight. Tom, their one loss is against the 49ers. They got drilled though. They didn't Correct. get beat. They got annihilated. But it doesn't matter if you lose by one or one hundred and fifty. It counts as a loss. That's all the true. Same. That's true. That's true. And they've won seven of their last eight. Eight of their last nine. How about that? Eight of their last nine. It's coming next Monday. Oh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's fair. Okay. All right, last one. Last one. I mean. Another one. Trace. Another one, Tom. Trace, I, I, I got to get off the bandwagon. Guy, Justin Herbert. I got to get off of it. Yeah, it's not good as a trace. <laughs> what happened to that team, man? I Listen, I, I get it. Brandon Staley's not a very good coach. But they should. they don't score points either. Their defense is bad. Their offense is bad. That game was horrid. And it's because the Chargers, they don't they, move the ball. It's horrible what's happening in, I was going to say San Diego, in Los Angeles. And didn't they just hire Kellen Moore, their the offensive coordinator yes. from Dallas, who they thought was going to save that offense? They did. Hmm. That's not working out. Is Staley the next coach to go? He, he has, has yeah. to be gone. Listen, two years ago, they go into week 17. They're playing the, the Raiders. The greatest NFL game in the past 10 years. They're playing the Raiders. Going into the game, whoever wins gets in the postseason. If they both tie, they get into the postseason. And it was coming down. There's like a minute left in overtime. And the Raiders were preparing to just take the tie. They were preparing for it. And Staley calls a timeout because he wants the ball back. And the Raiders? No. See, that's where, you know, you just. No, that he's, he's right. No, he's not right. He's not right because you two over there have limited brain cells to be able to remember things, I guess. It was four, it was fourth and one, right? Or third and one or fourth and one, but that's, but that's beside the point. The, they, the Raiders ran up to the line with like 22 personnel, basically a, a, a huge line. And the, and the Chargers 
had not been able to substitute and they had a weak they had a very very small defense in and it looked and appeared like they were going to go for it and if they did they were going to lose because if they got another first down they're going to kick a field goal to, to lose the game so they 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 got a little apprehensive and they called a timeout to try to make sure they could get their big guys out there and when they called a timeout it was believed to be obviously on the other sideline that hey we're going to have to go for this on third and whatever it was or fourth and one and they went for it, got it, kicked a field goal one. So it wasn't like they wanted the ball back. They just wanted to make sure that they weren't going to be able to kick a field goal. And then, of course, they get in the playoffs last year, and, you know, they are just killing the Jaguars. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball to the guy in the other color jersey every time he turned around. And, and then all of a sudden, second half, they, they can't even get a first down. If they had gotten two more first downs in the second half, they'd have won a game and couldn't do it. Your guys. All right, is that it, was it for twenty-seven? That's it for picks. Last year. All right, let's go to. I know, I know. Twenty-seven enough. I understand that. I understand Who that. Who did they lose to? That one guy, fifty-one, says Trace looks a lot like Brandon Staley. Oh. Hmm. How many people have you been referred to to looking like? Rafael Nadal is a big one. Nadal. You look like Nadal. Yeah. Pull up a, a side by side of Staley and Trace if we get a chance. <laughs> All right, let's get into the. Um, College football playoff tonight. Now, look, I'm going to lay it out as simple as possible. Uh, those who, and there are some here on the chat, many of you, who root for Ohio State. You know I root for Ohio State. The only chance they have to get in. They got in last year. It can be unbelievably advantageous while at the same time unbelievably disadvantageous to play in a conference championship game. It's great if you win it. If you lose it. You, it might cost you a spot. Would you rather be playing in it? Of course. Okay. So, more than likely, I think it's safe to, well, this is the only scenario Ohio State gets in. Georgia beats Alabama, which should happen. Georgia's a better team. Not saying it will, but should. Michigan beats Iowa, that should happen as well. Where it gets a little fuzzy, it doesn't matter who wins the Oregon-Washington game. It really makes no difference because mm-hmm. the winner of that game is going to be in. Mm-hmm. So now you have one spot left. And here is where it could get a little tricky. Although I think you're rooting for, for sure, you're obviously rooting for Louisville to beat Florida State. Correct. Right? And I think, I think even though you're ranked ahead of them, Right now, I think you need Texas to lose a Big 12 title game to Oklahoma State because of what I just said a minute ago. That's where it would be a huge advantage for Texas being a conference Power 5 champion. Yeah, if Texas wins, they'd get that final spot over Ohio State. No yeah. Doubt, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you certainly need Louisville to, to get out of that if, you, if you're Ohio State. Um, Can Louisville beat them? I haven't yeah, seen yeah, them. Yeah. Without Florida, Florida State, Florida State didn't, Florida State didn't look good. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Louisville also lost to a terrible pit, pit team. Yeah. Lost to a terrible team. So they beat pit Notre team. Dame. Right. I mean, it's, you don't know what you're going to get over there in Louisville. They I beat Clemson, right? I don't right? know what you can expect there. I have a hard time believing Texas is going to lose to Oklahoma State, though, Tom. I tell you what, I don't know what to think about Oklahoma State. I remember driving in my car after they started the season, whatever it was, and they were talking about all the players on the team quitting at Oklahoma State after like three or four games in. 
and now all of a sudden they rip off whatever it is. I mean, they are red hot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can beat them or not. I don't watch enough of that uh, uh, the Big 12 to really know, and not enough of the ACC to really know. Texas has never made the college football playoff, no. correct? No. No, no they, they have, have not. not. They have not. So that's a deal for Ohio State. But, Trace, you look at the Alabama-Georgia game. <coughs> I was on the phone with a very close friend of mine, lives in Tuscaloosa, very involved in the Alabama program yesterday. He's not sure they can beat Georgia, and he's a hardcore Alabama guy. Well, the last time they went into um, Jordan-Hare Stadium and they struggled and they went to overtime and barely beat them, they turned around the, the very next week and beat Georgia by two scores and, and you know went to the national championship. So I don't count Alabama out ever. Maybe that's just the boogeyman that, that seems to always come back and bite Georgia. Here's the thing that's really interesting to me at this point is the college football playoff committee is in a position they've never been before. They've always gotten a little fortunate, and they've gotten the out. Some team has lost that's given them the ability to kind of make an easier decision and one that's not hugely controversial. Florida State is a team right now. I'm going to say something that many people may think I'm crazy about. we got to get over. You have to get over the notion of that just because you're undefeated that you deserve to be in the college football playoff. The ACC is so bad that I, at this point, just because they lost their quarterback and the way they've looked, Florida State is not in the college football playoff unless they, unless they, and again, this is where people hate this idea of how college football is, unless they look convincing against Louisville. This Louisville team's not very good, and you can say whatever you want about the ACC as a whole and whether you can convince yourself Clemson's better than people say. Right. It doesn't, it, at, the, at the end of it all, right, you can't, as a conference, lose to Kentucky at home with your one of your best teams and then also struggle to beat a Florida team who is horrible they're terrible they are they really and, are and 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 then you're going to keep out let's just say you're going to keep out an Ohio State team now I know I, I'm not an Ohio State guy but I'm just saying What's the goal? Is it is the that, that's what I would ask the college football playoff committee. Is the goal to get the four best teams, Tom, or is it the four most deserving? Whatever. I the hell do, that I mean, means. I'm with you on that. I think we all do. But I, there's no way that I can believe for a second. Now, if you wanted to tell me, uh, one loss Texas, one loss Oregon jumps in ahead of Florida State. I might listen to that. Um, I might, because that means that they would be conference champions as well. Uh, One loss Ohio State is not going to get in ahead of undefeated Florida State. It ain't happening. But why? Well, I'm not. Look, the reasons why, I mean, Ohio State's only loss is to, you know, I mean, again, you can go right down the line on so many of these things. And that's why I just wish the committee would tell us what it is. There's just so much inconsistency. And look, it's a hard job. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy because, man, I could make an argument for all eight of these teams being in there. But when I look at, you know, I mean, Michigan's schedule is brutal. But they beat number 10 Penn State on the road. They beat number two Ohio State. They're in. Georgia, you don't even just put them in a different category. If Georgia loses, are they in? Yeah, they're in. They're in. No doubt. Is Alabama in? Again, now see, that's where I'm starting to say you can make a case for everybody else. Texas, they beat Alabama. So there's no way you can put Alabama if they beat Georgia, right, ahead of Texas. You really can't. You can't. Texas when it comes to the head-to-head to head thing, 
The head-to-head thing has got to be the most important of all. If there is two teams undefeated or, or two teams with a loss, if one team played the other team and beat them, they're in. What would you say about Alabama beating Georgia then? I, I still think that Texas, if they win their game, they're going to be in because they beat Alabama. They'll be ahead of I, Alabama. I know, but you're saying you're going to leave Georgia in if they lose Alabama, but you're not sure if Alabama will be in. Alabama could sit there and say, well, we just beat Georgia. Uh, you're right about that. You could game. go on and on about this. I but agree. It's, it's you could a, do this for every nightmare. team out there. Can they get together after the games are played on Saturday and just say, hey, look, sports fans, TV networks, we're going to give you a gift. I know we said four teams are going to play. <laughs> we're going to add another another layer to this. Eight-team playoff. All eight teams get in, play the first game at home. You get Alabama versus Georgia, eight versus one. You get, you get Michigan versus Texas as the two versus seven. You go down the list and you say, hey, listen, we're doing an eight-team playoff this year because it's something we've never had before. Let's rock and roll. We're going to 12 next year. Let's just let's just blow it up. This whole thing's being done. Because you really do have eight and everybody else. Yeah. Right. You really do. You have eight and everybody. Right. It'd be nice if we could pull it off. Sean Spurlock adds about the ACC to back up Trace. Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech finished fourth and fifth in that conference this year. Virginia Tech lost to Purdue this year. It's the worst college football conference. And this isn't. I'm not making, like, this is how I truly It's the worst college football conference <laughs> in the history of college athletics in a Power 5 league. I can't, I can't argue If you it. take their champion, Tom, and you put them in the Big Ten or the SEC, they won't even be bowl eligible. Say that again. They I'm going to say it again for you. If you took Louisville or Florida State and you put them in the Big Ten or you put them in the SEC, I don't think either one of those teams – right now with the players they have on their team, would be bowl eligible. And I am taking Florida State to win the disadvantage. They're on their second or third quarterback, whatever it is. But, I, but that's the team that's going to play in the playoffs. So okay. the team that's going to make the playoffs wouldn't even be bowl eligible in the SEC or the Big Ten. Mark Fetters, leave it to him all the time to leave us chuckling, even as we keep everything right here inside the chat. What happens in the chat stays in the chat. <laughs> All right, let's go to let's go to our good buddy Charlie Goldsmith. Charlie, before we get to a bunch of football, and that's going to dominate this conversation, we spent a little bit of time. First of all, good morning. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you. We did. We did. Were you a lot of a lot of family, friends? What? If you don't mind me asking. Yep, uh, I'm from Cincinnati, so yep. I was with my family. We went over to a cousin's house, and they make this chocolate pecan pie every year, Ooh. which I look forward to annually. Did you eat that instead of the turkey? I just had the full pie. Just served it. <laughs> boy, I don't want All right. Uh, I, I, before we get to anything uh, football-related, and that'll take up most of our time here today, um, look, I asked you the question a, week, a couple of weeks ago when you were here with us, uh, and we appreciate your time today. Um, if you're a Reds fan, and the overwhelming watching this show majority are, if you're a Reds fan, should it bother you that here we are, days into free agency, and one of your rivals who came out and told the world before free agency ever started that we are going to make some noise, they being the St. Louis Cardinals. They've already gone to get Gibson. They've already gotten Lance Lynn. Then yesterday they go get Sonny Gray. We know about the Cubs bringing in Craig Council and you know whatever else is going on. Is it too early to be bummed yet if you're a Reds fan? I think it is, especially because the trade market hasn't picked up yet. Um, 
you have the deepest starting pitching free agent class in years. On top of that, you have really some of the best players available if you take out like Otani and Yamamoto, who the Reds won't realistically be in the mix for. You know, the best players who the Reds could potentially add would be a Glass now or a Bieber, or I doubt they would, the uh, Brewers would trade Burns in the division, but the best overall players available are on the trade market. The sense I get is that free agency was the first rumblings to pick up first, but now over the last week, you've seen more activity in trade talks around the league. Uh, so those conversations continue to pick up steam. The Reds, they've said publicly they plan to improve the club. Everything I've heard privately is the same. Like, they mean it. They're in on these talks. They're looking to improve the team. Starting rotation uh, remains a priority. And, hey, you know, would you give Sonny Gray three uh, three years for $80 million? That's a debate we can have. It was a pretty risky deal that I saw on my end. But it's such a deep class. You have so many options you can turn to that there's not necessarily as much of an advantage this year being the first mover as there would be in another year. Okay, well, but but I mean, look, let's be honest about it here. Uh, it doesn't matter which side of the fence you came down on. I feel like the Reds, I felt like it said it at the time, that they should have gone to make a deal last year to try and get a starting pitcher to try and get in the playoffs. I still stand by that. They didn't do it. That's fine. And I understand why other people say, no, you can't you know, trade away these young guys. But the bottom line is, if you're going to bring in a Beaver or a Glass now, okay, and those are two names that are floating around. I mean, you're not sending them a bunch of single-A guys for those guys. Uh a name I forgot to mention, Dylan Cease. I think he's the best mix of this. Uh, he gives you a two-year window as opposed to a one-year window. And you look at the projection and the trajectory of these young players, I think the best overall fit for the Reds is building around a two-year window with a pitcher who is as safe as it gets compared to like a Eduardo Rodriguez, who's a free agent, but is hasn't been the most consistent pitcher over the course of his career. I like the idea if I'm the Reds, I'd give something pretty expensive up to build for a two-year window to get a true bona fide ace. You know, this is kind of the path they tried to take in 2020 when they built for a two-year window. Obviously, that didn't work out because they got the wrong guys. But I like the idea of, again, pinpointing um, when your roster is at a strength and building around, instead of going all in for one year, maybe keep that window a little longer, deal from some strengths in the organization overall, and look to improve the team that way. I know I've asked you this before, but you talked about going all in and, and building around a two-year window in 2020. One guy that did work out was Trevor Bauer. Now I, I don't, yeah, I don't see, see the Reds bringing him back. No. Why? I don't see it. Um, a couple reasons. First of all, you know, mainly just from a pure baseball perspective. You know, Bauer got, uh, I don't know the correct term, optioned or, or demoted to AAA last year when he was pitching in Japan. Um, Bauer was pitching at an ace level in 2020, but I could give you a long list of pitchers who pitched at an incredibly high level in 2020 who, you know, are looking for a major league contract right now. And then for a bunch of just overall fit culture reasons as well um, that I don't know as well because, you know, the clubhouses weren't open due to COVID yeah. in 2020. But Based on conversations you have, I don't see Bauer being as much of a fit for the 2024 Reds. Okay. All right. All right. Let's move on now with the Bengals. Um, your overall view, macro view of what we watched on Sunday from a, from a schematic standpoint, and of course that refers to the coaching staff that had basically a, a mini buy to get Jake Browning and this offense ready for Pittsburgh. Uh, to then the execution of those that were actually on the field, including Jake Browning. What did you walk away thinking about that game Sunday, besides them losing the game? 
I mean, they put all their eggs in the Joe Burrow basket. Now Joe Burrow's out for the year. They didn't build the playbook. They didn't build the roster. They didn't build the scheme. Uh, they didn't build specific position groups to play the type of way that they have to now with Jake Browning out. Like, what's funny is, you know, and I'm sure we'll have this conversation, could they have run the ball more? Well, I'm not sure I would have ran the ball either, consider, more either considering how poorly those runs were working. On top of that, you know, criticized Jake Browning. He didn't play great, but on first and second downs, he actually was the second most efficient quarterback in the NFL last week. So early down passing was working. The running game wasn't. That's a reminder that, you know, how the Bengals were built to play was this style that just won't work as well when it's Jake Browning and not Joe Burrow. I'm probably more concerned about the defense and how they played on Sunday than I am by the offense because the offense is a pretty understandable, all right, this is this is just reality now with the backup quarterback. The defense, there's no excuse to uh, give up 400 yards to the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, they gave up the 400 yards, but they basically, you know, n not as dramatic as far as uh, yards allowed the last two years compared to this year. But, I mean, they still gave up 16 points. And I think it's safe to say with any team in the NFL, even with a backup quarterback, I don't think it's unreasonable. Uh, the, the, the people talk about the Steelers' defense. It's good, but they've been gashed a ton this year, too. Um, you know, so, I mean, the, the, the Steelers' defense is good. It, it, it ain't It ain't... Cleveland's defense, at least from what we've seen so far. But, I, you know, I just got to wonder. Everybody around here says no way Zach Taylor's on any kind of hot seat for losing his job as a head coach. I agree. Do you think, though, that the powers that be are going to be looking at him a little more closely as far as allowing him to continue on moving ahead to next year to be the play caller? So, as I said, all of the eggs are in Joe Burrow's basket. And you know what Joe Burrow likes? Zach Taylor is the play caller. And you know what's worked really well? Zach Taylor is the play caller. Like, it was a perfect game almost what they played against the San Francisco 49ers last month or, or in October, whenever that was. And I would chase that path as a long-term vision for the Bengals offense, you know, the same offense that's led them on all these runs. Now, without Burrow, sure, you see some of the weaknesses of Zach Taylor overall and what the scheme and, you know, the overall big picture looks like. The Bengals haven't had the most diverse, dynamic. They, they haven't designed plays that have just beat teams in the way that, like, every week it seems like the Dolphins or the Lions have a new idea that just beats you with the design. That's not Zach Taylor's strength, but Joe Burrow likes Zach Taylor as a play caller. It worked with Zach Taylor as Joe Burrow's play caller. So down the stretch, you know, these are, these are the side effects of that. But when all the eggs are in the Joe Burrow basket, you know, 275 million eggs, I would keep that going heading into 2024. As opposed to, you know, what if Brian Callahan leaves next year and then you're starting over from scratch anyway, he leaves to be head coach. And then Zach Taylor's calling uh, play calls again. At least with him, you have some consistency. You know he's going to be there. All right, let me ask you this, uh, because Trace Fowler, uh, our boss, asked a question a little while ago. Um, you, you, you never want to tank. Uh, people really dislike that word, and I totally get why people dislike it. I, I, I never in, in, am in favor of tanking. But at the end of the day, um, you know, do you think looking ahead to next year and the free agents that they have, we know about Tyler Boyd, and you know, the, the, the tight end thing is a mess. We know the, the running back room right now has is, is basically been mixing and nobody else. Jonah Williams is a free agent. You got Reader. You got all these other guys, right? Awuzie. And, and, and then the whole T. Higgins thing. Would, would the Bengals be better off at the end of the day getting in a position where they have a top five, six, seven draft pick and maybe being able to move that pick for some players or think? Because they have got some holes, Charlie, as you have pointed out, that I'm not sure a lot of us saw coming before the season began. 
They do have holes. Um, you know, Zach Taylor said in June this was the deepest roster he's ever had. That hasn't played out. <clears throat> that hasn't been the case. The Bengals next year could need three new running backs, like three new receivers, three new tight ends. You can have the left guard debate, definitely a right tackle, a backup defensive tackle, maybe more edge rushers, a fourth corner, a third safety, maybe a punter. The list goes on. Um, I still think there's value in, like, we can talk about culture and before the Bengals went on this run, I wasn't as much of a believer in how that changes the, the course and the scope of an organization. But like the goal, so like the Bengals entered this year, it was all about winning the Super Bowl. And that impacted the way they approached OTAs, that the preseason training camp, week one game plans. I think the overall goal now is that you can realistically enter 2024 having the same idea, the same mindset. There are two types of teams. There are teams that enter the year believing they can win the Super Bowl, and there are teams that enter the year not believing they can win the Super Bowl. And I think the best path towards the Bengals, like sticking on that idea of a Super Bowl contender path, is you know, keeping, you know, winning as many games as possible, keeping as much of that culture and identity and, you know, approaching these as games you have to win to keep those habits going. They're not as much of in the, you know, they don't need to fill the top of the roster with talent. They got Burrow. They got Chase. They got Logan Wilson. They got uh, Cam Taylor Britton, DJ Turner. They obviously need a ton of depth and the draft will be where they need to go to do that. But I think that there's still so much value in keeping the overall vision of the organization on the path and on the course that it's been on. All right, guys, before we let Charlie roll, anybody have anything they'd like to ask Mr. Goldsmith? Please step up now or forever hold your peace. Well, Hold on. Hold Get on. the microphone. Here we, yeah, hold on. Been at this go. For I'm back. Hold on. Now. Give me give Elliot a chance here. Hold on. Uh, I I don't I don't mean to I don't mean to because uh, I know I know you touched on it, but if Zach Taylor can't figure out a way to win a game with Jake Browning as a backup quarterback with this roster, and, and it is a talented roster, it has holes like you've said. I get it. Zach Taylor as a play caller has had success with the Bengals. I get it. If he can't figure out a way to win with Jake Browning or, or A.J. McCarron, whoever, whoever it is as our quarterback, with, as, with the roster we have, do we not find it a little bit concerning? Would you have a little bit of doubt in Zach Taylor if we lose out the rest of the way here? Um, I think it would reflect negatively on what he is at, at specific aspects of his job. You know, the play designing, the scheme, um, gaming up, sticking, you know, piecing together piece by piece, you know, putting that puzzle together with a backup quarterback that reflect poorly, that would reflect poorly on his ability to do that. However, like what I think is what's more important is what you can do with Joe Burrow. At the end of the day, I made the joke about teams like there are also head coaches who can win Super Bowls and head coaches who can't. And the Bengals will win the, will win the Super Bowl because of Joe Burrow and he's the one who gets paid 275 million dollars. And I think Zach Taylor is a piece that helps Joe Burrow and is a piece that helps and brings the best out of the Joe Burrow offense. And I think that is worth more than any of the weaknesses that might get, you know, popped up if this season goes that way you're discussing. That's fair. Anybody, anything else before we let him go? I have a silly question if, if we want to, if, if Charlie well, you have would, to ask would, him that. Well, I mean, Charlie, thank you for coming on this show. I get to ask you silly questions, and we appreciate you coming on all the time. But over the past few weeks, we have seen the most explosive player in this offense be none other than oh, Drew God. Sample, number 89. What? And we've seen this offense not really have any success running the ball with Joe Mixon, and they really haven't had any confidence in giving the ball to Trevion Williams or Chase Brown. Could we see Drew Sample start to be running back number one and so that we can give him the ball more times throughout the game? Is that something that the coaches are talking about in the game plan? Um, it's, so I have a story here. So 
like they use him in the pass protecting role on third downs. You guys know what I'm talking about in the backfield. And I went up to him and I go, what do I call you? Because I can't call you a third down back because you're not a running back. And he goes, I don't know. And, and he wants a carry, but he wants a carry in the same way that like Cody Ford wants a catch. Right. So that's how I would, I would, you know, link those two things. Well, don't call him a third down back or what is it? A third DRB or whatever it is. Just call him a WMD because he's a weapon of mass destruction on this mm. offense. Yeah, yeah, Ask Mitch Wilcox. He knows. He That's felt right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Boy, did he ever. Absolutely. Thanks, Boy, Charlie. did he ever. All right. Casey, anything since you're okay? Trace, you're all right? Charlie, we can't thank you enough for your time, my friend. As always, it's always great catching up with you. You're on it no matter what it is, winter, spring, summer, or fall. So have a great rest of your day. Thank you. All right, Charlie Goldsmith, Cincinnati.com. Now that dude is on his game. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there are very few people we have actually on this show, and, and, and I mean in this room, and on this show who are on their game. He is on his game. Absolutely, I, I really do appreciate because these, these guys are very serious reporters, and we bring them on the show, and I get to ask them silly questions, and I just appreciate, Great. I just appreciate him, him accepting those silly questions and answering them. Okay. Best reporter in the city, Charlie Goldsmith. No, he, there's no doubt he's on it. Well, this bit material, I mean, I'm worn out today. I came in I gotta energy, be honest, ready to go. I, I just can't. Well, and we don't need to go down this path today, Tom. We can stare off of, steer off of it. But at some point, Spencer, this Trevor Bauer thing, just it, it kills me. It really kills me. What is it that kills you about it? I just don't understand how specific guys get in a position where no one wants to stick their, their neck out, if you will, when there's legally nothing that happened. And, you, and if you want to go down the list of throughout Major League Baseball and sit there and play this moral high ground, let's do it then. Let's do it. Let's go through every single roster and pick apart their personal history and let's figure out which guys are great people and let's put them in the league. And then on top of that, right after the next sentence, we're screaming and yelling about how Nick Crawl and the Castellinis, you know, don't do everything they can to win. Because we want to win. It's winner take all. This you, is professional sports. You, know, you, you can't have brain. it both ways. You, you can't have it both ways, Tom. You bring up an interesting point. And, 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 and look, I know all about it, personally speaking, okay? And Molly said something that's kind of interesting about Cincinnati, we just won't do it. We're too conservative, whatever it might be, okay? And I'm not getting into the political part of all this. But, 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 but I've had people tell me that if I ever want to get a chance to broadcast for a team again, it's going to probably have to be in a city that is not an uber-blue, liberal-leaning kind of a city. Mm -hmm. They're not going to hire me to be the broadcaster of the San Francisco Giants. It's not going to happen. More than likely not going to happen in Chicago right. or New York, if it happens anywhere. And people have said to me that it would have to be a place where, you know, they might, they might kind of look at it and say, I, you know, we can, we, can, we can be a little more forgiving here. Instead of having literally people coming out of the woodworks from every different, no matter where you are politically, coming out and rallying against this and that. And that's what Bauer would be facing. I find it interesting that Molly would say not in Cincinnati. Do you think the Giants would sign him? Do you think the Dodgers would bring him back? Do you think Chicago? What would that look like? If not Cincinnati, then where? 
is this guy going to be blackballed? And I am not defending Trevor Bauer. I've said this on the show thousands of times. But this man was convicted of nothing. Do we think he did some bad stuff? I don't think there's any doubt about it. This is some weird stuff for sure at the minimum. But I mean, this guy has not been convicted of any crime. He's a person that deserves the right to have a chance to go to work. And instead, he has clearly been banned from this sport. You can say whatever you want, and maybe it'll be a different deal uh, over the next two months or three months, four months, five months. I'll be proven wrong before spring training starts and somebody gives him a chance. But, I mean, it is. It's interesting. When you look at some of the guys and some of the things that they have done, and you compare them to Bauer, and none of them are good. What, None, repercussions, what, I did wasn't what, good. what what repercussions are any franchise really going to have? Tom? Well, you know, that, they're, they're not going to have none. But see, People yo, are going to go the to the point. ballpark. They're going to watch the games, Tom. Here's and you the know point. what? If their team wins, they're going to be happy about it. If their team loses, they're not going to be happy well, but, about but, but it. Here, That's the fact. But, but here's the thing. Guys don't want to hear it. The guys that are making the decisions. They're like, man, I got enough issues. I got enough issues right now. I, I don't need just some baggage brought in on top of it where we got to answer a bunch of questions about something. That, 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 that if we don't bring him in, we never have to worry about answering those questions. And that's the state of society where we live in today. It is what it is. All right. Uh, it's getting cold out there. we got Brian Villa coming on soon. Um, Elliot, are you going to be able to give us uh, any kind of an update, any kind of relief in telling us um, um, – any relief from this weather? Because today I get in my car, it's 27 out on the eastern side of Cincinnati. I pull into beautiful Hamilton, Ohio. It's 22. It's cold. I mean, I, I, there's, no, there's no doubt about it, Tom. It's just really cold outside. I got in my car this morning, like you did. Now, my, my car didn't uh, had the, have, the, have the ice over top of it, but... It was still chilly. It, it, my car takes a little bit to warm up now, but we got in it. We got we started driving. It took about twenty. It's about a forty-five minute drive to work. So about tw at the twenty-five minute mark, my car was fully warm. At that point, I felt great. But unfortunately, this is the part of fall where Reed might be a little bit right. Ooh. Reed might be a little Ooh. bit right when it comes to some of this fall weather Beautiful because day. it's twenty-five degrees outside. So everybody, buckle up. Get your jacket on, get some sweatpants, get comfy. Uh, it, the weather's not going to be great from this point until the end of March, really. So enjoy this. Uh, the sun will shine, but unfortunately, uh, it's just not going to be very warm. It's going to be very, very cold. Again, you look at your phones right now, just like so. You turn it on, all right? You don't need to watch any other news broadcast. You just watch this. You turn on the weather. Boom, boom, boom. It right now is 24 degrees in Hamilton, Ohio. 24 degrees. And the sun is shining. So take that for what you want. It's going to get down to 18 tonight. Uh, brutal weather. But again, this is the part of fall that people don't like. But listen, when you have a campfire out in October, that's the night of fall that we all remember. And that's what you have to remember when you go through this stage of fall. When does winter officially begin? Like January? Uh, December, like right like a few days before Christmas. Like December okay, 20th. so like late December. Yeah. I see Reed's point a little bit there. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. You, you, everyone, the weather that everyone likes of fall happens for a grand total of about two weeks. Yeah, but the, but think of that weather that you're talking about is so fantastic. good. It's fantastic. It's the best. It's the year. best. That's the best weather of all time. It's the best weather of the year. It happens for two weeks out of twelve of the season. Yeah. So it's just not very good. 
Look at these penguins, by the way. Look at these Beautiful. little penguins. Beautiful. Aren't these cute little penguins? Uh, do you think we we need to get Hamilton a zoo? Because I think if Hamilton had a zoo, some would say there is a zoo in Hamilton. Is there? Where is it? Was that a shot at your own city? Correct. Well, that was mean. I would never make a joke at Hamilton. That's kind of disrespectful, Reed. Uh, but that's it. Listen, enjoy the penguins. Enjoy the cold. It's going to get really cold up until March. So enjoy that. Have good luck with that. Uh, I'm going to keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it for the little trot. And then we're going to go back to... Bring you want Ronald Reagan? Yeah, bring it on. No, Ronald no, Reagan! The one thing about this time of year, though, it does Ronald get cold. Reagan. Yeah, he does a bit where he calls I me Ronald I know that. Reagan. How is he Ronald Reagan? Well, because we he looks similar, like Ronald Reagan. We have very similar political beliliefs, Tom. On, That's why. What was the Go president ahead. that I am? You're James Madison. Oh, yeah. Tom, do you hear my James Madison impression? No. You ready? You ready for it? This is what James Madison sounded like. I did a lot of research on this. He did. You ready? Hi, I'm James Madison, everybody. Tom, over to you. <laughs> Pretty good. Thank you. That is pretty That's what good. they taught us in the history before, books. Before you walk away, though, let me hear a little bit of uh, Sir Ian Jabot. Hello, Governor. I'm Ian Jabot, and we're going to go out and pitch four scoreless innings every night because the Reds starting pitching went out in the third inning again. That's Ian Jabot, Texas it, native. Send it over to Casey. <laughs> send it over to Casey for these ads. Now we finally got over to me. Uh, the Encore Report, <laughs> Bengals Report. It's brought to you by Encore Technologies. <laughs> Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with the suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and... Productivity. 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 You can visit Encore.tech. The path of, to innovation begins here. And I have this lovely bottle of water here that I've already finished. Pawnee water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration. Unlike the artificial processing other brands use, the result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. I have to agree with that. You can visit Pawnee water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF. Get your technology solutions from Encore. Yep. Drink lots of Pawnee water. Bet with Betfred. Snow flurries over in cold rain right now. Oh, wow. The only good thing about this time of year, the one thing that winter and the, the late fall have going for it is you, you drive through your neighborhood, you see some festive lights. That makes yes, me happy. that's right. Do you have that's, yours up yet? Have you I have up? my indoor lights. Like, I have my Christmas tree up. Really? I have Real tree or fake tree? Fake tree. Fake tree. Uh, Sorry, uh, Tom. That's another debate for this whole this whole deal. Okay, go ahead. Um, and I'm going to put up my, my outdoor lights here pretty soon. So probably sometime this week. So, Ellie, you a big put up Christmas tree guy. I can see you out there kind of getting after it a little bit, putting up the trees on the house. Yeah, yeah. So we have a fake tree in the house, and then we also have a real tree. Nice. Our family, our family goes out and hunts for a. Uh, I saw the picture of that tree. A real tree. Hunt. Tree. Hunt for a real tree. Is that what? What? Why'd you laugh at that? That's what we do. You hunt. You go out there in the forest with a saw and you hunt it down to gather. It's a what? You're gathering. Gather. Okay. All right. But go ahead. Go but anyway, ahead. you go out. You, and so we have a real tree in our house. We go after Thanksgiving usually. And it's a fun time. So we, we have our lights decorated on the inside again, like Reed said. Our house, uh, I don't know if we're putting, our house, we moved away from our, our, our old house. We're, we're in a new house now. And it, this, the roof is really high. So I don't think we'll put outside lights up anymore. Uh, the, the roof is too high. Okay. And we can't have a, la a, a ladder incident with like Clark Griswold and the. Uh, Christmas vacation. Okay. Can't be having that. 
Trace, have you been out there putting up the lights yet? No. Are no. you going to? No. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> no. Are you Scrooge? No, I'm not Scrooge. I just, uh, I mean, you asked the question, I know the answer. <laughs> so It's an honest answer. Yeah. Casey, I mean, this is your first Christmas in your new house, if I'm not second, mistaken. Second. Second. You're right. It was right before last year. You're Correct. right. So, uh, you putting up lights? Um, that is up for debate. Because I don't know, like, we don't have a really good solution. I, I don't have, like, a plug on the outside of my house. Yeah. So, I, it would have to come from the... Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that would be really tough. How? But I might put up some sort of, like, decor. Some Do you have something. bushes? Do you have bushes to put lights around your bushes? Yeah, I got bushes. But you still have to get the lights. Okay, I get yeah. you. I get so, you. I, I have to find some way to either just do without lights or any electric. So, just some sort of, like banners or something or if if people saw how i put lights on my house the process and when we're talking about um ladders and stuff so my house has two tiers yeah and it would take like a 30 foot ladder get yeah. to the top one so what i do is i actually put a ladder on the first tier climb up i then pull the ladder up and put it on that roof oh, God. up to the top roof and my wife panics the entire time yeah i would panic that's not a good move that's not a good that move really is not a good all kidding aside that is not a good move there are so many people that get seriously hurt on ladders. Well, if I get stuck up there, I'll have that commercial like. I'm not uh, worried Willie, about you getting like stuck. <laughs> like the great American, Willie. Uh, what is this? Uh, yeah, somebody made the comment, uh, Elliot, based on your line is um, where is this? Uh, that you sit in a blind for six hours waiting for the perfect tree to come That's by. True. Certainly. I, I, you could say that we do. We, we go out into the forest and, and we hunt it down. We, we, we scout in one of those scaffoldings that everybody's sitting in. Uh, and, and then we, we use our binoculars and we, we find a tree and we hunt her, we hunt her down. Okay. And we, we steal her from the forest. Okay. And then we pay for it. Okay. All right. Uh, we've got Brian Billick coming up in a uh, matter of moments. Uh, before we get to him, you know, all kidding aside, we were joking about the, uh, the Xavier thing last night. That's not good. Losing that game last night. Bad yeah. loss. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's not – I mean, we were talking about, you know, about this Oakland team, and, and when you watch the game, and even the announcers of the game, yeah. they were like, man, these guys are pretty good. One of them made the comment, said they're picked to finish third in the Horizon League, mm -hmm. and I can't remember who the analyst was, said, you find me two better teams than this team in the Horizon League, I want to watch them play. Yeah, like, listen, Tom, I'm obviously a, a Xavier fan, pretty big Xavier fan, go to a bunch of games every year. I, as a college sports fan, I don't, I don't um, check into the recruiting and stuff like that. I know that's a big part of being a college fan, whether it be football or basketball. I don't really hinder to recruiting. So every year when it comes to winter, I'm just surprised at what the team has. I just, mm -hmm. I just walk in and be like, all right, do we have any guys returning? Yeah. I knew not a lot of guys were returning this year. Ten new guys. I knew everything I needed to know about Xavier at the Big East Media Days when Sean Miller had a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not, I'm not going to know the exact quote off the top of my head. But he paraphrased, and he said, who we are at the beginning of the year is not going to be who we are at the end of the year. So that told me right then and there, this team doesn't have very high expectations. That is exactly the quote of a coach that says, listen, we're not going to be very good, at least off the rip, and they're showing that right now. They've got another tough game this Friday, and as I mentioned, the only way to countersuit uh, a terrible loss is to have a fantastic yep. win, and that's the opportunity that lays in front of Xavier this Friday. Yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't watch a lot of the game last night, but 
a quad quadrant four loss this early in the season is not good. So, and it, I saw if you you buy that bracketology stuff, you mm-hmm. know, that Lenardi does. Yep. yep. Uh, he, after the loss last night, he still has them as the last team in the NCAA tournament. And they certainly could. They play in a they play they in play a very, a very good, good conference. Di- like so, this is what's that UC will will understand now that they're joining the Big Twelve is that those early season losses. You can you can recover from them when you play in the Big East or the Big Twelve, and that they play a very a lot of very very good teams in the Big East, so they'll have plenty of opportunities to overcome this loss. Okay, well, look, I'm not going to start beating down X. Uh, maybe that'll come at a later time. I'm not going to do it because uh, they do have ten new guys. I mean, they have six freshmen. Right. Uh, they've got some transfers. Their two best players yep. uh, are out for the year, in Jerome Hunter and Zach Fremantle. So, I mean, you know, or two of their top three. Right, Des Claude would probably be one of their best players. But But Zach Fremantle, certainly. Two of their top three, for sure. Right, no doubt about it. Okay, all right, all right. Let's get back to the NFL. Always uh, a pleasure and honor to be joined by former Super Bowl winning head coach from the Baltimore Ravens, Brian Billick. Brian, hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Did you get to see the whole gang, everybody in town? What did you do? Yeah, I went down down to Nashville, saw my daughter, uh, got everybody together, played a little golf. Uh, which was uh, fun, and but we had a, what a great Nashville was great, great weather. All right, well, uh, belated happy Thanksgiving and an early uh, Merry Christmas to you and the whole gang. Um, Want to ask you, you know, it, it's amazing, Brian, and you've seen it. You you saw it firsthand when you lost Steve McNair, and all of a sudden you've got these big, huge expectations of a team at a Super Bowl run, a deep run, division title, all those kinds of things, and then bam, up in smoke, there it goes. But you still got to make do with with the next guy up, right? Okay, and in this case for the Bengals, after Joe Burrow, it happens to be Jake Browning. I'm not going to ask you about Jake Browning. I'm going to ask you about being the head coach and being the play caller, which you were, offensive coordinator coming from Minnesota before Baltimore. Okay. What is a reasonable expectation for this Bengals offense now with a backup quarterback moving forward? Boy, it's this is tough. This this is this is why you make the big bucks. Because life in the NFL, going into December, when you're basically out of it for whatever reason, and clearly this one, the injuries and the whole nine yards, holding that team together, uh, finding out you. I mean, you got to put their hand to the fire a little bit. Are you going to be a professional? You're going to be what we're going to be, you know. And obviously, we got we're going to have to rely on the running game and the receivers. You got to step up a little bit because. Next man up's not as good as the guy that we had. So not saying Jake Browning's not good enough, but, you know, because he was serviceable. But um, don't worry about the expectations. Are you going to be a pro? Are you going to finish this thing out? Are we going to be that team? And that's really what you want to try to do is, can we be that team that just finishes strong enough to bode well going into next season, get healthy, get get uh, uh, Browner back, you know, uh, uh, all that, all that, uh, uh, stuff that goes with it being one of those teams because obviously you're out of it. You know, they're not going to think that, oh, well, this can happen and we can, we're going to fight our way through it. But in the back of their mind, that's, that's what they're thinking. And that's what you've got to address. Okay. Well, what, you know, with that in mind though, Brian, wh- wh- where do you, where do you come down on the side of, okay, you are out of it. Yeah. You want to hold the culture of this team has been very good. It really has. They don't have any divas, and they don't have all this stuff going on around here, even when they're playing well or not playing well. Um, but but you don't. But 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 where do you come down on the whole thing? Where 
should we now start to look at some of our younger players because we have big decisions to make at the end of the year? Where do you come down on that, knowing that some of the veteran players are trying to get another contract, if not with you, with somebody else? Right. Yeah, and and let's keep in mind now, they're, you know, having said what I just said, they're just one game out of that seventh spot. So so you you still can have that carrot. That's the fact that the playoffs are seven deep. Um, At some point... If there's some young players that you need to go to look at, I don't know that they're there yet because I can imagine Coach Taylor's telling his team, guys, we're one game back of the playoffs, and we've got the pedigree, and we can do this. If we just eliminate this error, that yada, yada, yada. If you then start making those kind of moves to where you're going to start playing some of the younger players, then now you're sending a mixed message. At some point, you're going to get to that, but I don't think they're there yet all but being one unrealistic. I don't know if it's realistic or not, one game out, but they are only the one game out. Now, there's a whole bunch in front of them that are also still six. Like I said before, they're out of the AFC North. Yeah, They're they're in the AFC wildcard division now. And in that division is Buffalo, Denver, Houston, and Indianapolis. So that's the division you're in right now. Okay, uh, shift gears over to uh, Buffalo for a minute. Uh, if somebody was said, and we talked about it on the show yesterday, if somebody was said when this season began uh, uh, that Buffalo and Cincinnati uh, weren't going to make the playoffs, uh, I, I think that, you know, if you just said, okay, I'll take that bet, you'd be a very wealthy man right now, uh, or at least it's trending in that direction. Buffalo's not out of it either, just like the Bengals. Um but, but, but I wonder, is it almost worse in some way for Sean McDermott up there in Buffalo? They've had their share of injuries on the defensive side. But on the offensive side, they've had everybody there. And, man, they just can't get this thing going. Yeah, now let's keep in mind, and this is what they're hanging their hat on, I would think. Again, we're just well, – guys, we're, we're right there. It's been tough going. But we went into, on the road, the best team in the NFL right now. And, and I think Philadelphia can lay claim to that moniker mm-hmm. right now. Um, smother that offense and Jalen Hurts for for base, better part of three and a half quarters, threw for better than 300 yards, ran for better than 173 yards. Guys, we're a good football team. Now, you're right. There's just something missing there right now. Lack of confidence, obviously, and but they can't, unlike – you know, you lose Josh Allen, that would be a different conversation, just like losing Joe Burrow. Uh, but they haven't, and and they are doing some things. So it's just not quite coming together, but they're on that cusp. And and again, they went on the road in Philadelphia and said, guys, we, we, we took on the best team on the road in the NFL. That tells you how good a team we are. That's what they're hanging to right now. But you're right. There's just, boy, there's just something missing right there. And the biggest challenge for, McDermott is his players beginning to think, particularly the way they lost that game, was, okay, this is just not going to happen. You know, players' mindset, uh, boy, we're just, this isn't going to, you know, that negative glass half empty mentality. And you got to believe that's real. You got to fight that every day. All right. Uh, You know, it's interesting. We know that scoring is down in the NFL. And when I went back and looked, and defenses seem to be turning the tide. Uh, to at least some level from where we've seen in recent years. You know, I, I, I look at running the ball. Let's start there, okay? If you look at the top half of the teams in the NFL in the ability to run the ball, Baltimore, Miami, Cleveland, Atlanta, Detroit, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Buffalo, 
Denver, Dallas, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, 12 of the top 17 rushing teams in the NFL all would be in the playoffs right now. Is is the run game coming back into vogue? Well, there's enough teams that are in a position where they've got to they've got to have balance. That yeah, the, the, their quarterback maybe isn't the future Hall of Famer. Okay, so so we've got to balance what they're doing, and and so when that happens, yes, and and you have some teams that that's all they can do. So they they're going to press the run. Um, the fact that scoring's down, I think it's you look at the top quarterbacks in the league. Right now, oddly enough, the number one quarterback in the league right now is Sam Howell from Washington, and they're just not very good. So they're they're throwing the ball a lot, but they're not scoring a lot, and they're just only so good. C.J. Stroud looked pretty good in Houston, and they're beginning to get some uh, some traction. Buffalo, Josh Allen's next, but again, something's a little missing there. There, but no, I, I don't disagree with you. I, particularly now that we're getting into December, you know, a good running game is is a prerequisite now. Now, when you get to the playoffs, is that enough? And, and do you not then have to have that guy that can also put it up and down the field? Uh, yeah, you got to have that as well. But I think Kansas City is a perfect case in point. Good, Patrick Mahomes, spectacular. They're not quite as explosive as they have been. So, so their numbers are down a little bit. And I think the league, you can say that uh, across the board. Uh, and so, yeah, the running game does become more important. And uh, but but you're going to at some point, you're going to need that QB to step up and be that guy, because the team you're going to face in the playoffs is probably also running the ball pretty good. Yeah. And, and again, you go back. I ask you if defenses are catching up. I mean, you look at the top defensive teams in the NFL this year and I just go through the top 12 here. You've got Cleveland, Baltimore, Dallas, 49ers, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Miami. Uh, Philadelphia, Buffalo, those are 10 of the top 12 defenses in the NFL. Do you believe defenses are catching up with offenses? Well, I think we're playing some pretty good defense. Uh, but you, you look at, you look at uh, you know, uh, Cleveland's a perfect example. Phenomenal defense, really the best defense in the league. But their offense just can't keep up. They, so that's why, that's why they're, they're on that cusp. Um, Baltimore's defense is good. Not not. Great, not like they've been in the past, but pretty darn good. Plus, combined with an offense that's pretty solid, Kansas City, their defense is what's kind of keeping them in it. Yep. And so they got to have confidence, thinking you know the, the offense will start to get its rhythm a little bit. Uh, Pittsburgh's just keeping its head above water because of playing great, great defense. So no, it's it's like the running game question: Is it good to have a great defense? Yeah, but can you win a championship with that being the primary? Not with the quarterback play we have. There's too many good quarterbacks that you have to go through in the playoffs. But I like my chances when I'm playing pretty good defense. And I've got that quarterback. So Kansas City's got to go, hey, defense playing as well as they are. And you know what? I got Patrick Mahomes. Baltimore's going, yeah, we got a really good defense. Oh, by the way, I got Lamar Jackson as well. So, so there, you know, Philadelphia's defense is pretty solid as well. Oh, by the way, we got Jalen Hurts. So that combo of teams that are playing really good defense and have that quarterback, yeah, they're they're – they're the ones that, are the, you know, you look at and say, well, these are the best teams in the NFL. You know, Brian, I got to tell you, and you were the guy who said it on this show uh, like five weeks ago. I, I don't know if you were predicting that they would rip off a five-game winning streak, but I had the chance really this weekend to watch almost the entire Denver game. Uh, you were the guy that said, hey, listen now, you know, new coach, Russell Wilson, l let's just give this thing a little bit of time and keep an eye on it. Um they are a legitimate team 
to, to, to play, I think, just about anybody right now. Wilson is playing great. Yeah, and, and we knew he was capable of that. And you kind of knew Sean Payton would find the right mix to let him do what he does well. Uh, defense has, has been good for a while. And you look at what they've got coming up. They got a big one with the Texans, but then they play the Chargers. Lions at the Lions is tough. Then they got the Patriots. And boy, isn't that a whole different oh, story? Uh, and then they're home against the Chargers. And then they're at the Raiders. So their schedule is is coming together to where they're going to have a couple, uh, uh, you know, a tough road test in, with the Lions. But I think they can step up with the Lions. Uh, C.J. Stroud and just what he's done down in Texas, that's going to be a hell of a game. That's probably the best game this weekend coming up is is Denver at the Texans. Uh, and both fighting for that, you know, yeah. they're in the same division now, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a pretty good game. And, yeah, uh, Denver's going to be a team to watch because you got to know Russell Wilson still is pretty darn, pretty darn good. Last thing I want to ask you about, you touched on it briefly there a second ago. Uh, it, 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 it might be the most fascinating story to follow once this football season, this regular season is over. Are we getting closer and closer to the New England Patriots parting ways with Bill Belichick? You know, you can begin with the fact Bill Belichick is a phenomenal slam dunk Hall of Fame coach. The problem is, is I think we've we elevated him to this mythical level. Um, and you don't discount, okay, with, with Brady gone, that makes him, so it was all Brady. No, Bill Belichick's a pretty good coach. Is he this mythical, making all the right decisions, never makes mistake, has his team focused? Well, it has to do with the talent of your team. And like everybody, you know, stand in line. If you don't have a quarterback, you tend to be an average coach. That's yeah. just what it turns into. For Bill, it's a matter of, well, look, I've, I've, I clearly need to do something different in New England. they got to come up with a quarterback. Do I want to do that here or do I, you know, am I just worn out here? Is as much success as we've had, is it just time? You know, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells always believed you can't stay more than 10 years in one place. Now, obviously, Belichick has gone way beyond that. But that same mentality that, you know, maybe maybe you go do it someplace else because uh, you're going to have to do the same things and rebuild wherever you're going. Um, and, and he will covet. He wants to get that record, you know, that Don Shula record. Yeah. There's no question about it. Um, but you know, but he's got it going the way he needs in, uh, in New England. They'll get it recranked up in the personnel and the whatever. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And and uh, you know, managers, Mr. Kraft, at some point, Bill Belichick pisses you off. You know, yeah. e even even yeah. when you're with all the winning, yeah. and and that personality, and and they they may be going. You know what? Maybe we need that breath of fresh air to start us on another path. Because even if Bill wants to stay, how long is he going to stay? And is he there for the next rebuild? Is it one, two, three years? You know, it's what, 70 years old, 71? So, yeah, you're right. This is going to be interesting to see what happens. And, and it's going to be partly his choice as well, I think. Uh, everybody in our chat, the thousands that are watching, the only question they want answered is, are you ready to assume the play calling duties looking ahead of 2024 for the Cincinnati Bengals, since you live so close now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That would make a huge, huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's fun to, to watch the criticism because Zach Taylor is obviously a great coach. And, all you know, he could, he's a great play caller, but now all of a sudden he's not. Yeah. 
what, you just lose it? No, no. I mean, the circumstances and whatever. Uh, and, uh, and once you go on that path, it's hard to go back. So, I, you know, I'm not one of those. Yeah, he could, he's still a football coach. I don't know that he needs to give it up. Uh, maybe he should. Maybe he should and let someone else take that reins, give some energy to it, and you look at the bigger picture. There's certainly legitimate arguments for that. But is it because he's no longer a good play caller? That's silly. All right, my friend. I'm just telling you what the people want to hear. The, the people, people, yeah, the people want Brian Billick to come in there. <laughs> that would be that would be fun. But you'd think gonna, about that it. would cut into my golf too much. Well, you'd think about it, maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll get <laughs> yeah, you all right. set up, you know, up here in Hamilton and the whole nine yards, and you'd be all set to but go. But hey, you know what I'm going to do? The minute I get down on the goal line, I'm going to throw up a fade, oh. and then you're going to go never worked. absolutely ballistic. But you will go nuts. No doubt. I'll be sitting in this studio saying, what is that clown Billick doing what down What the hell is he doing? That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, buddy. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks for the time. Coach. All right, bro. All right. Brian Billick, kind enough to join us. That's what we used to laugh all the time because every time I see that play, I lose my mind. That Would you... jump ball in the corner of the end zone. That is at best a 50-50 play. At best. And the one, you know, every now and again, it's going to work. Oh, there you go, Brett. I've been running you back. Most of the time, that play never. Now, what it's tur- the, the reason why you see the back shoulder throws now is because that play doesn't work. That's the reason guys throw back shoulder. Instead of a jump ball, the defender's got to keep going with a guy. And the second all of a sudden the receiver knows it's coming back shoulder, he slams on the brakes, comes back to get it. That play works. So when you were calling games, I'd go off on the you, air. You know you wouldn't. You you would be mime, you'd be miming it in I, the in the if studio. If you had Brian back on this show right now, I would say that is a brutal call. On the air. And there would be the times where they'd run it and it would work. And I mean him or Chris Spielman or Charles Davis or whoever, they'd be all over my case. See, that's a great play. Can't stand that play. Never works. Never works. We what about, appreciate what about, Brian uh, Billick's on... perspective. I, I, I'm curious what you, you think, uh, you guys thought about what he said looking forward now to, you know, the rest of this season with the team. We asked a question earlier. Trace asked it. Would you rather lose them all? Right? right. Not intentionally lose them. Right. You know what I'm saying. Right. Uh, or, you know, uh, do you think there's something to although all of us, the eye test, we know the Bengals, they're not going to the playoffs. They're not going. I thought they had a legitimate chance before last week. I really did. I thought they had a legitimate chance. And after what I saw the other day, no. Um, and especially knowing the schedule. Um, you know, he's sitting there saying that Zach's got to keep them rolling and keeping this thing together. Yeah, I mean, like, if you go 5-12, and 12, what does that draft pick get you? Because that's, that's, that's the only benefit, right, of, of losing out is to get a higher draft pick. What does that get you, Casey, around the 10 right, spot? Right now they're at 15. They'll okay. probably be anywhere between 10 and 15 is probably what's going to end up. 5-12 and happening. 12 would get you right around the 8-10 to 10 spot, which is a top 10 pick. Let's not, let's not, let's not minimize that. But at the same time, like, do you, is that the risk of, of – potentially losing the team right because as i think uh lombardi famously said winning's contagious so is losing and if you lose eight games to to round out the season nine games whatever it would be to to round out the season and you have a whole off season to get over that but that lingers in a in a locker room's mind that certainly lingers around a team and 
do, do you, are you willing to risk losing the team just to get a higher draft pick? And I also want to add to that point, getting a higher draft pick does not guarantee anything. You do not guarantee you get just some fantastic player. You're still taking a gamble yep. on, on a draft pick. On bringing in any player, it's never a guarantee. When was the last time the Bengals have hit on a draft pick in the first round that wasn't one of the top five picks? I mean, I'm, that, that's not a rhetorical question because I can't think of it. Obviously, they hit with Jamar Chase. They hit with, with Joe Burrow, but John Ross was a top 10 pick. That was a swing and a miss. Miles Murphy hasn't has appeared to be. I mean, Dax Hill looks okay in, in the later rounds, but I mean, I'll, I'll pull up the Bengals draft picks off the top of my head. I seriously cannot remember the last time the Bengals hit substantially on a first round on pick that wasn't a top five pick. Yeah, I mean, they've ha they've had like quality starters, but nothing nothing that was going to push them over the top. Which I I agree with that point. I look at the draft class this year, and I mean, it's. We got a whole lot to, to cover later on down the stretch, and a lot more information will come out through the combine and doing all those uh, personal day, those those tests and whatnot. But you're getting at the 10 and 15 spot, you're probably still getting like the third best tackle or the third best receiver. Like you're not getting your pick of the litter, even at whatever pick they get. And I was with you, Tom. I, I thought they had a, a chance to win, a very small chance to win, make it make it to the playoffs that's why i wanted maybe to see them try to go with that that um aj mccarron now that we're past that i think we're at a point where you got to see what you have and he said that they're not there yet in my mind they're there in the locker room they're probably not there yet if they lose this week yeah i mean I, i'm sure that they're all thinking yeah. that they're probably not going to make it and then at that point we've sat here and banged our fist on the table saying that Zach's a culture guy. He's a culture guy. Well, he loses the team. Is he – what then? He doesn't have anything. So it's, it's, it's a crazy situation to be in right now. It's just absolutely crazy. It's just amazing. And we started that conversation with Brian Bill. It is amazing how, if not for a single injury, and that's not exclusively to blame, your chances of being able to recover without Burrow are – obviously greatly diminished but it is unbelievable the turn of this franchise in a matter of three weeks right yeah. they were on a four game winning streak mm -hmm. we all agree that some of the problems were being masked by the winning streak but they beat some good teams i mean seattle's okay i didn't think that was a big deal they're all right and they were at home but seattle ain't bad and then they just completely demolish the 49ers. Defense plays good. Offense is rolling. They come back home. They first two drives right down Buffalo's throat. You know, and, and, and then the Houston game. All the problems were exposed. All of them. Quarterback throwing picks in the end zone. Defense getting just completely blown up. Run game in the air. Uh, the next week, you get a big one against Baltimore. You're right there in the game. You're playing well. Defense is playing well after the first drive for Baltimore. They shut them down the next three, four drives. You take a lead, and then bam. And now it's like all hope is gone. 
literally in like two and a half weeks. Right? Yeah. That Houston game was just a devastating loss on so many levels. They win that game. They're st- we're still talking about them possibly making a playoff push because they would be they would have the tiebreaker over Houston, the Bills. They would be they probably have a I don't know if they have the tiebreaker over over Denver because they probably have a better conference record, but they would be right there in that seventh seed conversation. Yeah, that's right. And now they're at the very bottom of that conversation. Yep. I don't know if we'd still have hope. I mean, you can say that we'd still be in the the playoffs would be six and five. It'd be two and five in the conference. All all's well and good and play plenty of teams to, to get over that conference record and good teams that you would eventually get the tiebreaker over, but the, the reason that hope is gone is because the hope was was centered on on one nine. on one single monument. No that question. Was, that was the starting quarterback, Tom. That's why the hope is gone. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying the whole sort of outlook of the franchise. I it, think it, that, all that's of us true. That's at, true. That's fair. Zach Taylor came out at the beginning of this year and said it was the best roster that he's ever seen on an NFL team. Well, that clearly has been exposed across the board. Okay? The offensive line... We've talked about it. The defense has been awful. Um, They might have some good individual players on the defense, but as a unit, I mean, you know, the only only guy, the only area of this team that you can say has not digressed from a year ago is the place kicker. Everybody (laughs) else has digressed. No team has ever started the same quarterback under the same head coach for more than five years and seen that duo win its first championship, it's year five next year. Okay, so ne- ne- next year, fine. But, I mean, think of all of the issues now. And here's what I'm saying. You're, you're right about the Burrow thing. But, but, but here's what I'm saying. The offensive line, step backwards. Your receiving mm-hmm. core, and you can say because of injuries, whatever you want. Tyler Boyd's been brutal. Yeah, Tyler he, Boyd he, has Boyd's been had brutal. a bad year. He's had a great career. I love the guy. Gamer, everything. But a bad year. A lot of yeah. big drops. Sure. Right? Okay, step backwards. Okay, defensive line outside of Hendrickson. Step backwards. Linebackers, huge leap, step backwards. Secondary, straight backwards. Punter. We were looking at Drew Chrisman's numbers the other day. Everybody in this town wanted to run him out of town after the one punt where he should have just been told to punt the damn ball out of bounds in the AFC Championship game. But you go, go look up Drew Chrisman's numbers in roughly the same number of games after he took over last year as the punter. Mm-hmm. Go look at his numbers compared to this cat putting form now. They've gone straight backwards in that area. And now all of a sudden, here we were three or four weeks ago. Four-game win streak. Here we go, big run to the Super Bowl. And not just because of Burrow, but on so many levels, you're going, what in the world just happened? Elliot, what has happened? Yeah, I don't know. I, and that's why, and this is why I'm against the tanking thing, or getting the draft pick. Number one, because I don't see a massive difference between the 15th spot and the 10th spot. I, 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 we can, I mean, yeah, sure, you'll get a better player, I guess, technically. But you can still swing and miss on that, like Casey said. So I, I don't see any purpose for that. Losing out, you will lose the locker room. You will lose it. I, there's, I, I'm not going to beat this, this dead horse all day long, all week long for the next couple months. I'm, I'm going to try not to beat it down. But if you lose out, you have a serious issue here. 
and it's not Joe Burrow, and it doesn't get solved by one draft pick. It's, 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 it's a major issue. And that culture that everybody talks about with Zach Taylor is gone. Because if you cannot figure out a way to win, if these guys do not want to play for Zach Taylor right now and try to figure out a way to win against the Colts, against the Vikings, against Kenny Pickett, then we're going to have an issue. And I don't know where it goes. I, I, I guess everything revolves around Joe Burrow. That was the whole spirit of the team left when Joe Burrow went down. You saw it with the defense against the Ravens. They, they were great. After the first drive, I would say the next three drives for the Ravens were phenomenal for the defense. After that, Joe Burrow goes down, gone. They, they look incompetent, uh, and they've looked incompetent ever since. So, I don't know. I don't know what happens. Good luck to the Bengals, I guess. I, this is a disaster. <laughs> Tom, it's the, the scariest part about where the Bengals currently at. And, you're, and you're, you are absolutely right in your assertion. About three weeks ago, we were talking about this team being a Super Bowl contender. Now we're... Joe Burrow's hurt, and we're looking, what do we even have here? What do we even have? And the, the thing that scares me most, I said this yesterday on the show, I said this yesterday on Box Lunch, is I look at the team, and I don't know exactly how to solve the problems. Yeah. Right? It, 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 is, it is a problem of the rich. Look, it, like if, if you're a person and you don't have a house and you're unhappy, you're like, well, if I get a house, I'll be a little more happy. If you don't have a car and you, you're like, well, if I get a car, I'll be a little more happy. Well, if you got your house, your car, and I'm still looking around, you got a great job and a wife and everything, and you're like, well, I'm still not happy, how do you solve that problem? I look at the Bengals and I think the same thing. I look at the team and I go, well, they've got a couple of pass rushers who are having career years. Well... It still doesn't feel like the pass rush is getting it up, but those guys are playing well. Okay, well, you got DJ Reader. He's been one of the best interior defensive tackles over the past five years. He's playing, you know, he's taking a small step back, but he's still there. Well, you can't solve that problem. Logan Wilson and, and Jermaine Pratt haven't played great this year, but they're still near the top of the NFL in, in takeaways. They're, they're, they're getting interceptions. They're causing fumbles. Those things are true. Well, then you look at the, the secondary. Well, Cam Taylor Britt has started to blossom as a as a legit Pro Bowl cornerback. Dax Hells look looked pretty good at safety, and oh yeah, Jordan Battle is one of the highest graded safeties from the rookie class. So all these things, you look at this team. I don't know how to solve the problems. It'd be easy if you're looking at it. I mean, and you're the Kansas City Chiefs, and you go, well, no one can catch the passes that Patrick Mahomes has thrown. We got to get some wide receivers. Or if you're looking at another team and looking and saying, oh, we can't protect the pass. We need to get some cornerbacks and some secondaries. I look at the Bengals. There's so many problems, but yet I still don't see where the holes are to solve those problems. I don't know where the Bengals go from here. Yeah. That's the biggest problem. Well, we'll be moving forward on all of that conversation uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, Monday night football. Boy, if you're uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, you got to be bummed out, man. I mean, thinking three weeks ago, and you're looking, I know how this stuff works. You're looking at that schedule and going, man, that is a killer game. Burrow v. Lawrence, two Part teams two. in the playoffs, division champs a year ago. Bam! Crash and burn. Do we have a cherry on top? I, I have one, if someone else doesn't have one. All right. Good. If you yeah. have one, by all means. You're the producer. Yeah. That's right. You're, you're, you're the guy. So I was just scrolling today, <laughs> and I thought Tom would appreciate this. Um, are you familiar with Max Crosby? I know who he is. Well, this last week, um, he had a knee injury, and his knee was swollen to the point where it, he needed to go to the hospital before the Chiefs game. Somehow, in some way, he managed to come back after it being – I don't know if you can see that picture there yep. of how swollen it is. He managed to come back before the start of the, the Chiefs game and play the entire game. His quote says, I left feeling like I was dying. 
the sh- this blank was blown up like a balloon. I'll do anything I can. I want to effing play. Nut cutter. I thought you'd appreciate that. Love story. it. Love is- it. Love it. Knee out, needle in. Drain that thing. Get the fluid out. Here we go. Is there a bigger gamer in the NFL than Max Crosby? No. He's on the short list of them. No, no doubt, doubt about him. it. A, an honorary member of NCN. Love it. I also have that uh, picture you wanted of Staley if you wanted to well, see it. Oh, let's see this. Split screen. Here. I mean, I, I know what they're talking about now. I mean, look at that. Look at that. He just needs the facial hair back. Looks good. Man. Yeah. Trace might be doubling his Brandon Staley to, uh, on the weekend. He knew how to coach. What she, he does. It just, you know, sometimes does you're, he? you're not. Uh, Doesn't look like he does. It's the analytic crowd, you know. Sometimes uh, when you go for it and you don't get it, there's repercussions on the other side of it. It's not just some math, mathematical equation that's just mythical in a book. Everything's great in theory. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's got a lot of lookalike right there. Uh, okay, looking ahead of tomorrow, we have Marty Brenneman coming on the program, as we always do on Wednesday. Thursday, we have Dan Horde to talk about everything that is UC football. Oh, Bengals God. football. <laughs> UC basketball, though. That's where I was getting to last but not least. UC okay. basketball. We, are, uh, we have Vach Lombardi coming on Thursday. Oh, oh my God, That's Vach. our guy. Big game. Absolutely. Vach. From Big D. Cowboys are on Thursday night football against Seattle this week. We got Big Vach from Big D. It's a big-time guest. Yes, it is. And then we, we're, we're hoping to nail down Tommy G for Friday. Who has the inside contact with Tommy? I, have his, I was, I was going to send him a note after the show. Okay, because we got to get him on here. Because uh, that's the biggest game in the history, short history, albeit, uh, of the entire franchise. I got to show you something, Tom. I know you got to go. I'm, Casey, I'm sending you this. We have two cherry on tops. You know, sometimes we don't have a cherry on top at all. We're going to double dip today. Ooh, Ooh double dip. Yeah, yeah, you like that? Two, two dips. Like that pun? I love it. Love uh, it. This is hilarious. This is, <laughs> I couldn't imagine being a fan of a football team and having one of the iconic moments of, of, of sports history. You can say whatever you want. This Iron Bowl is going to be talked about forever. Yep. Check out, check out my man and what happened right here. Casey, run this, run this clip. That's all it is. Because a lot of airspace to come. Oh no, Tom! Wait, wait. We finna find out. Bruh. We finna find out. He was just gonna throw that hole. That's big time. Anybody who has YouTube TV, they've seen that spinner. <laughs> That's great stuff. I'm glad we found that. All right, gentlemen, uh, great stuff as always. Have a great rest of your day. Case, enjoy the sunshine. Get I'll out try. there a little bit. Get a little fresh air. Yeah. Keep your mood up. Right? I'm, I'm good. I'm uh, good. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Trace, have a good day. Elliot. See you, Tom. Reader. Uh, anything coming up? We have program. Uh, I know that uh, Clicker, 5.30. 5.30, Caskey's Clicker. Talk Caskey's about, Clicker tonight. Talk about all the schemes that Zach Taylor put out on the, t- put out on the field on Sunday. You will definitely want to check all of that out. Oh, and, and uh, uh, yeah. Bearcats. Oh, Cheddarbox Bearcats. See you tonight after the game against Howard. You're hosting. Really? You're hosting. I am hosting. I am hosting today with, with a friend of mine, Zach. 
So tune in. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yes. I mean, uh, Bearcats are looking good. They're looking very good. They're going to remain unbeaten tonight, no doubt. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Now back to a basketball school. You see? Have a good day.